Hey guys, before we get started today, I just want to warn you that this episode contains talk of suicide, sexual assault, domestic violence, miscarriage. There's a lot of dark shit in it today. And if any of those things will make this a hard listen for you, feel free to go ahead and skip this one. I'll see you next week. Princess here and welcome to another episode of Bye Pumpkin. It's 2022 when you hear this, um, which means that we made it through another year. I don't know how, but we did it. Uh, I think that's good news. Yeah, that's good news. Um, another bit of good news is that if you guys remember, Bye Pumpkin opened a merchant shop, a merch shop, so you've got a merchant shop, uh, the last couple of months of 2021 and all the profits from the merch went to the Central Texas Food Bank. Profits, not proceeds, meaning the uh, the dollar, five dollars, ten bucks, or whatever it was that um, Threadless gave us for each merch sale went to the Central Texas Food Bank. Central Texas Food Bank is a pet project of mine. I love them. And uh, as someone who's been food insecure, who knows plenty of people who've been food insecure, like, dude, I think they do great work. And the nice part about it was that towards the end of the year, they had a sponsor that was matching donations. So for every dollar donated, we are technically making 10 meals happen for someone who needs it. So after everything was tallied up, if I knew how to insert a drum drum roll, I would. We did just under $600 of profit over about two and a half months, which is a lot. And I rounded up to 600 because uh, I wanted to. So it's a even $600. And I'm really excited about that. Guys, I don't know if you know I'm a little tiny podcast. I'm a completely independent, little bitty podcast. I do not market. I barely do the social medias uh, for the podcast. Like, I don't do anything for this. I just get on the mic and talk for a couple hours a week, and hopefully people find me. And for people to have done so much that we're able to donate 600 bucks to the Central Texas Food Bank is a big deal for me. Like I thought, I was hoping we could donate like 200 bucks. That's the, that's the honest to God truth. I was trying not to have like a, like an expectation, but I was, but in the back of my mind, I was like maybe $200. So 600 bucks, that means you, me, and this podcast have been able to provide 6,000 meals to people in need in Central Texas. Amazing. I can't even fucking believe it. I'm really excited. I just want to say thank you to everybody. Um, this podcast has always been a labor of love for me. Um, it's one of the reasons I'm not on a network because I want to do this podcast the way I want to do it. And, and if that means like not really marketing it, sometimes skipping episodes, uh, sometimes doing weird episodes and that's the way I want to do it. I want a hands-off approach to it. And I never expected to make money on this podcast. If you guys recall, originally when I opened the Patreon, all I wanted was enough to pay the, the, uh, the cost of 
what the fuck is it called? The podcast host. That's all I wanted to be able to pay. And the fact that I'm now, like, it pays me. It, it's it's financially worth it for me to do this podcast. And I get to do things like open a merch shop and donate the, pro, the, the profits to a really awesome charity. Makes me very, very, very happy. So if you bought something out there whether it was a sticker or a sweatshirt or a notebook or a magnet or whatever, thank you. Thank you so very motherfucking much. And if you didn't, that's cool too. You're still here listening. Um, it's the beginning of the year, so it's a wonderful time for you to leave me a review. I don't read reviews, but other people do. And it's a great way to tell people why they should listen to this podcast. Um, just take a second, uh, leave me, it, it matters that it's on Apple Podcasts, I'm sorry, it does, but leave me a fucking review, and if you can't do that, give me a follow over uh, on Buy Pumpkin um, Podcast on Instagram, or maybe Okay Then Princess on Twitter and Instagram, I don't, are they still up, are they back up, I don't know, they probably are, but if you could, give me a follow somewhere. And if you really want to support this podcast monetarily, there's a Patreon. Uh, it's at patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Over there, I do weekly bonus episodes. Right now, I'm doing Teen Mom 2. Uh, the next episode you hear will have Liz on it. Um, I'm also doing some bonus episodes over there. I'm going to do a Not All Diamonds and Rosé breakdown. I got, I am soon going to be doing a, uh, being Bobby Brown episode. I'm going to be doing a commissioned, uh, the Bobby Brown, being Bobby Brown episode is commissioned. I'm going to be doing a commissioned, um, episode of my 600 pound life. I told you people always want me to go back and do my 600 pound life. Someone commissioned one. Um, I'm going to be doing an episode on Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And like just lots of fun shit over there. And every month when you when you uh, sign up for this Patreon for five bucks a month, every month I donate some of your dollars to someplace that needs it. Also, there is a new tier over on Patreon. That's something to talk about. I want to, I'm going to start doing monthly um, Princess Diaries episodes and... It's not that I don't think any like anyone will ever hear them, but I wanted to put a little barrier between an average person hearing them and, you know, just like some rando that hates me joining my Patreon and listening to it. So I made a Princess Diaries tier for 10 bucks a month. There are only 25 slots in it. I really enjoy doing those Princess Diaries episodes because I just get on the mic and I just like spill. And when I'm done, I always feel a thousand percent better. My mood is already lifted, always lifted. Energy all way up when I get done. So I want to keep doing them, but I want to do them in a more, in a limited space. So there are only 25 people that can sign up. There are only four, there are only four slots left. So I would love if you guys um, helped out by signing up for the Patreon and listening to the awesome episodes we have over there. Or um, leaving a review or give me a follow on social media or I don't know, just like go out and be nice to people the fucking day. Like, you know what you could do that could like really help out this podcast? 
just give everybody a motherfucking break, okay? <laughs> give everybody a break. Give yourself a break. Just give everybody a little bit of grace. And for those who don't know, grace is the difference between what you deserve and what you get. And it's kind of like, you know, loving people when they're unlovable, being kind to people when they don't eat, when they're not acting in a way that deserves kindness, just stretching yourself to, um, stretching yourself to, to be better than you have to be. Just do that today. Try a little bit of that. And I promise you, you get everything. You always get back whatever you give. So like whenever I feel like I just need people to give me a little break, give me a little grace, chill, just let me be for a minute. I make sure I do it to every person I see. And it always comes back to me. I promise it'll come back to you. Now that we finished the woo-woo version of this, the woo-woo uh, portion of this programming, let's talk about today's episode. Now, I'm supposed to be doing a Rock of Love episode, and I will be doing a Rock of Love episode next week. I will be. I promise, I promise, I promise. But it's the end of the year. It's, well, it's the beginning of the year. Um, and I wanted to do, I wanted to talk about my favorite housewife, Portia Denise Williams. And <laughs> she recently, I was about to say wrote a book. I don't th- listen. <laughs> uh, Portia didn't write no book. <laughs> but <laughs> she recently published a book called The Pursuit of Portia. And I listened to it. I had a bunch of Audible credits. Guys, you know, I always have so many Audible credits because I forget I have Audible. So... I had like seven or eight at one point, which is a lot. I think it's a lot of Audible credits. That's like eight months of fucking credits. Why do I have so many fucking credits? I think at the moment, if we, right this second, I have five. But I um, when I had seven or eight, I um, used one on the Pursuit of Portia. And I was like, I am going to listen to this fucking book and see what this Portia is talking about. And I actually enjoyed it. And I feel like there was a lot of stuff that, I I felt I thought there were some interesting bits of it. So I wanted to come to you with a little book club selection and let's talk about the pursuit of Portia. First of all, let me talk about the reason I love Portia. I'm I'm sure I've talked about this on many episodes. I'm gonna I'm going to to reiterate because some of you may have missed it. I Portia is probably my favorite housewife to watch. Now, there are lots of great housewives out there. Um, there are so many franchises. There are so many great housewives. And many of them are very good at what they do, right? So it's all about the position you play. Um, Real Housewives of Atlanta is my favorite franchise. It is the one where I feel most seen. Southern black ladies shading each other. Um, and like, I always talk about how Nene was one of the first household name uh, housewives she blooped her way to middle america um and that she is an important part of reality tv history and that the real housewives of atlanta dominated in ratings for a really long time i don't know if they're still doing so but in terms of franchises it dominated in ratings for a really long time and it was and like so it's incredibly influ- influential Part of the reason that it is, is NeNe Leakes. 
She's very good at playing her position. Kenya Moore is extremely good at playing her position. Kenya Moore is a cartoon villain. I say this all the time. I believe that Kenya will say whatever she needs to say on camera to do her job. She is, and I don't even want to say she's acting, okay? But she is, she is there to play whose line is it anyway? And to what do, what needs to be said? I fully believe Kenya will call your baby ugly on camera. And then when the cameras go down, ask you, do you want to go to Chipotle with her? Because that was that, this is this. Um, I don't like Kenya for this exact reason, not for the things she does on camera, but because I believe that she is doing whatever she needs to, to make the show go. And I don't think that person is authentic. I don't think that person could ever be a good friend to anybody. I don't care what they say about her off camera because she will do whatever she needs to do for this show. Her highest loyalty is to the show, is making the show good. Now, does that make her good for us? Yes, she makes, that means that she's the audience's best friend because she will absolutely do what it takes to make this a good show. Now, who else is like that? Brandy Glanville, Lisa fucking Renna. These are people that will just get on the screen and it doesn't matter how they look. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It does not matter what the ramifications are. They will do what's needed to be done in this scene to make good TV. The problem with this with this type of player is that you get tired of them, right? Because like you can only be a super villain for so long before people really, really hate you. Um, people hate Kenya so much that when they did an episode where they went down to Miami and I don't know, they picked up some guy. I forget what that girl's name is, but she was like a one season wonder. Um, but she, they picked up what she was saying was her nephew, but I really think he was a drug dealer and he was getting like upset and Kenya was the one was like, you need to leave. And he was like, threat. I thought he was going to hit her. And people were like, good. <laughs> people were like, good. It's okay for this man who is not even on this show, who is literally visiting this rental the ladies are at. Candy's fucking pregnant. Um, and we're, it's fine for him to to threaten to beat up Kenya because we don't like her. When Kenya was getting... When Kenya was getting, um, was in that abusive relationship, everyone was like, good for her. Kenya probably deserves it. Kenya, I, I think Mark and Kenya are, her husband are an abusive relationship. Um, people think that's, they think that's her fault. Now, I get why that is. It's because she is a person that will do anything on screen to make the show go. It's hard to understand what's real and what's not real with her, you know? Like, are you really dating Walter? No, the fuck you aren't. Are you really, are you, are, are you really, um, in a house competition with Sheree? Like it's, it's, it's hard to figure out what's real and not. And so I understand that because she is so inauthentic, sometimes in her scenes when she's crying about the fact that this guy named, this Matt guy has like broken into her garage, broken windows out and like, is chasing her around fucking Atlanta and shit. It's very easy to be like, oh, this bitch again. You know, I get it. I get it. But that's what I mean. She is so hated that like 
she doesn't even get sympathy there because people don't even believe, they don't even believe it. Um, and I I think those types of players eventually burn out, but Kenya's still going on strong, although they do play with her money a lot. They play with her money. They gave her a pay cut because um, she didn't want to show Mark. First, they had her off the show for a, a year. Then when she came back, they gave her a pay cut. Like, they play with her money. And I don't know why because she's an integral part of this cast. As much as when she gets on the screen, I'm like, oh, here come this Kenya bitch. But she, they, we need her. We need her. Candy. Guys, you guys know I'm the only Candy hater on record. I'm the only person that wants Candy Burris off this fucking show on record. I think everybody loves Candy. Why? Because we all see ourselves in Candy. Candy is our homegirl. Candy Candy is says the things that we want to say and does the things we want to do, which I find to be extremely boring. Um, if her mother's not involved, and I fucking hate her mother, if her mother's not involved, then it's pretty boring. And But... Your Candies and your Cynthia's are important to the cast as well because they do well in group scenes. Now, their home lives are pretty boring. Like, Candy's always only selling us stuff. That's all she's doing. It's infomercials around on her scenes, which is why I really like to see her as a friend of because she is good in the group scenes. Like, But I don't know. I, you need that player too. You can't have, like, I don't know. You can't have, like, a whole fucking box of firecrackers. You need, you need some water to douse things down too. That, you know what? I don't know why I said that. That made it sound like Candy's a downer. She's not. What I mean though is you need someone that can connect groups and you need bone carriers. You need them. You need them. You need someone that people like. You need someone for people to root for. They, that is a special position. And I'll say this is Porsche's position. Fun slut. That's what Portia's position is. Now, lots of people think the word slut is a, is a bad word. I don't. I think it's a descriptive word. I don't mean any harm when I call somebody a slut. I have had slut errors as well. It's fine. There are people who probably would call me a slut right now because I don't even know how many people I've ever had sex with. And the reason is is because I don't care. It I, like I purposely don't know. I did not count because... It doesn't matter. Like, like sometimes I think about trying to like get the number together. It's impossible. I have no fucking idea. I don't know how many people I've had sex with. I don't know how much I weigh. And I don't know how much gas is in my car. Why? Because it doesn't fucking matter. So who's counting? <laughs> I, I think I think I should look at how much gas is in my car. But that other shit, I don't care. And if that makes me a slut, okay. Okay. I'll take it. It's fine. It's descriptive. But when I say a fun slut, I mean that in a 30 Rock Jenna Maroney way. And that like, you know, like, can't you just imagine Jenna Maroney walking down the hallway with Liz Lemon and she's like holding an invitation to a fun slut party or something like that. And Liz is like, what's a fun slut party? And Jenna's like, well, it's a party where you go, you don't wear your underwear. And just like... <laughs> You know, <laughs> so I enjoy fun sluts. I enjoy women who just like do their thing and like they're the princes of Thotlandia. They don't care who they're dating. They, <laughs> they just, and they have fun on screen. I will say like part of the reason I have moved away from 
watching most of the Real Housewives franchise in real time is that so much of it is us going to a dinner so we can push the storyline. So I can tell you what she said and like, or it's infomercial time. Here's a product I'm about to sell. Here's a thing I'm about to do. Here's a show I'm about to, and it just, it seems like it gets very boring. And what I like to see most on screen are fun people, people who are having a good time. It's why when the smalls were a thing, remember the talls and the smalls, when Candy and Phaedra were good friends, I enjoyed them very much together because they were always laughing. They always had a funny comment. It was great. Even can't even Portia and Phaedra together when they had their matching like uh pajamas and shit, their matching onesies, and they were twerking and shit. That's fun. Other duos I think have fun on on the franchises. Uh Robin and Giselle. As much as I hate this mean girl shit they do all the time, Robin and Giselle are real friends and have fun. And sometimes their scenes are just Robin trying on her old wedding dress while Giselle looks at it and then Juan walks in on them and is like, what the fuck are y'all doing? And they burst, burst in the, like, it's another, who else? You know what? Ramona and Sonia at their height were just a fun duo to watch. Um, uh, some people are going to disagree with me, but Kyle and Lisa Vanderpump, when they were, listen, they were always frenemies, but when they would lean hard on the friend part of frenemies, they're a lot of fun together. And listen, we can't get 42 minutes every Sunday of um, of people doing hijinks. We can't do that. But it's just one part of what makes a good show is the is someone being fun. And they're always my favorite part. And so that's why Portia becomes one of my favorite housewives. Um, the other thing to know about Portia Denise Williams is that she is a lovable dum-dum. Um, Liz talks about people being dum-dums on her show all the time. And I think that's a perfect word for it. When I say someone's a dum-dum, I just mean they don't do too much thinking. They don't, they don't ask too many questions. They don't, you know, they, they just, and I actually admire that. Me and my mom were, were like, my mom went away for Thanksgiving for some dumbass reason. And she went away for a week. And when she knows that she and I are both four day travelers on the fourth day, we wish we were at fucking home. And she was just having a really hard time. Like she was like, I don't want to be here. I want to leave right now. She's whispering because she's upstairs and shit. Because she, when she called me, she was whispering. And I immediately was like, oh, what's wrong? What the fuck happened? I come from a long line of loud ass women, okay? I do. And I, like, my mom, when she calls me, is like, hey! Like, that's how she, <laughs> that's how we get on the phone together. We're screaming at each other. The idea of her getting on the phone and being like, hey, hey, girl. I'm like, oh, shit, where the fuck are you? And she's like, no, 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 I don't want anybody to hear me because I hate it here. <laughs> I've been here one night and I hate it here and I want to leave. And I've said hello to everyone and now I'm ready to go. But we were talking during when I was trying to, like, give her uh, tips for when you don't want to be around anybody. 
which I learned from her. I don't know why I had to give her the tips, but, um, we are just talking about how my dad's kind of a lovable dum-dum. And what I will mean by that is he doesn't think very hard about things. I guess a nicer word for it would be simple. He's just, he's a simple person. He doesn't want much. His brain doesn't go a thousand miles a minute. He just, he's happy just sitting in his chair wearing a shirt that says retired, watching America's Next Top Model when it was on. My dad used to love that fucking show. He loves when Tyra would yell at people. Or watching Army Wives. My dad loved fucking Army Wives. I've seen every episode because of him. Like just, or, you know, watching football or whatever. Um, he's really gotten into cornholing, which I can't take it anytime he's come, he gets on the phone and starts talking about cornholing. I'm like, please stop saying that word. Please stop. But like, he's watching a lot of shit. And my dad just sits there. My dad doesn't think about ulterior motives. He doesn't, he's not suspicious of anybody. He doesn't ask a whole lot of questions. When my dad was in school, this is after he, he retired from the Navy and he was going to the nursing school. He had to work on the computer for something. My dad, um, I was helping him and my, and I was like, Hey, let's, um, Google your name. And my dad's name is very common. Like his first name is common. His last name is common. And so I was just showing him like when you, what happens when he Googles his name. And my dad says to me, what is that? And I was like, this is what happens when I put your name into Google. And he goes, get that off of there. And I was like, what are you, he said, I, he said, I didn't let any, I didn't tell anybody to put my name on the internet. And I was like, dude, one, your name is super common. It's everywhere. And two, you don't have to get permission for you to put your name on the internet. I also remember him like trying to get me to, I well, trying to, I ordered something off of Amazon for him because he said he didn't like to put his credit card on the internet. And I was like, uh, anytime you swipe your card at Walmart, that shit goes through those wires to the internet. (laughs) It's the internet. But that's the, that's the type of dude. He just doesn't think a lot about stuff. He doesn't work. Like he doesn't, I don't know. He just doesn't worry about things. Whereas me and my mom are like, oh my God, what does that mean? What's this? Google that. What do you do? And I'm not saying we're better. I'm not saying we're better, but I I was, we were, this is what we were talking about, how we wish we could get a little dumber so we could be happier because my dad's always happy everybody loves him. He doesn't have bad days. He just be living his fucking life. You ask him, you ask him how he's feeling. He'll turn to you and be like, happy. And I'll be like, how can you be happy when we know all this shit? He'll be like, I don't know. I feel happy. Sometimes I wish I was a smidge less thoughtful so that I could be a lovable dumb dumb too. I'm going to tell, I'm going to call it now. Turtle's going to grow up to be a lovable dumb dumb. He, Turtle's the one. He's 11. I had to tell, I had to like sit down and be like, listen, we're going to stop this Santa Claus bullshit. Okay, bro. Cause we're done with this. Why? He doesn't ask questions. He does not ask questions about things. You say, go stand on that square. That's where he'll be on the square. Happily, patiently waiting for you to come back. That's what he's like. I recall hearing him telling, um, one of the, our foster kids that mommies don't know how to lie. They don't lie. Anything a mommy says is, is true. Like, <laughs> that's what he's like. And I don't hate it, but um, I think, like, I, I, when I call someone a lovable dum-dum, I don't necessarily mean, well, if I call them a dum-dum, I'm just saying they're dumb. But if I call them a lovable dum-dum, it means that 
they're not very smart or they're not very inquisitive or they're not very thinking outside of the box, but it doesn't matter because you really like them. And Portia is like that. In fact, Portia might lean more towards just being a dumb dumb, but that's what it is. I don't think like Portia doesn't have a lot on her mind. Portia doesn't think very hard about the news. Portia, I don't know. Portia thinks that hard about the future. I just, and she thinks it's 265 days in a year. I, you know, this, this Portia. And so I find, you know, guys, you know how Sonia in New York, how you just, you, you gotta, you gotta love Sonia. Okay. Even while she's jumping around saying she was on a yacht with John, John, even while she's like telling blatant lies about a toaster oven, you gotta love Sonia. Okay. And Portia gives me same vibes. So this is one so this is one of the reasons she's my favorite housewives. I'm gonna say this about the book. Again, it's called The Pursuit of Portia. I listened to the audiobook. I'm sure you can find it at your library. It's written pretty well. What I mean by written is I mean the words and sentences are constructed pretty well. I've read some real celebrity memoir trash, okay? Um again, Portia did not write this book. Obviously, a writer was hired um and was paid a premium not to be. It doesn't even say with so and so. It they were paid well not to even have their name anywhere on the book. Um, ghostwriting is a lucrative uh, uh, profession, guys. Um, but the words are, are the sentences are constructed well. Um, it there it's very descriptive. Um, I believe a black woman wrote it. I just I have a feeling. Um, and in terms of the audiobook, Portia reading it. Portia reading it is not bad. She is pronouncing words the way she pronounces words. Hungry, hungry is hungry, but that's typical. Um, picture is picture. Um, she's she. It's it's in her style. She's not putting on words. She all the words she is reading sound like they would come out of Portia's mouth, and she's very conversational with it. Right. So I think you guys all know. I've talked about this before. Mariah Carey is, Mariah Carey's uh, memoir, audiobook, is worth whatever you gotta pay to get it. She's so good in it. The book is expansive. I mean, it's not chronological, but it's expansive. You just gotta, you just gotta roll with it. You know what I'm saying? But it's an experience having Mariah Carey read it to you. She sings it to you. She reads it to you. It is an experience. Um, I think she is the best audiobook I've ever heard. Um, and production wise, like in terms of the person reading the stuff. On the far end of that list, on the other end is Bobby Brown, who I believe was reading for the first time when he was reading his audiobook. And not reading the book for the first time. Yes, he was reading the book for the first time. I believe he was reading period for the first time. Crazy pauses, play things were just pronouncing words funny. Uh, just I don't know why they let him read this book. Maybe because people expected Bobby Brown to read the book, they should not. They should not let Bobby Brown do this. I only kept going because I wanted gossip. That's the only reason, and because the content was like every five minutes he would, he would tell you something else wild and I'm like what Bobby Brown what anyway um I will put Portia 
closer to a Mariah Carey than a Bobby Brown. She is, it's, she does well. Um, reading it, it's a pleasant experience. I mean, listen, Portia's voice is Portia's voice, you know? But if you are okay with her voice, the audiobook will be fine. Right off the bat, I want to talk about Portia has depression. She tells us about how she, she has attempted suicide more than three times, apparently. Twice when she was in middle school. She tried to take pills. Um, and the only reason she didn't complete is because she thought that what if she didn't, what if she didn't go, what if she didn't die and she'd be brain dead? She was really worried about that. She also tied a scarf to her neck and tried to hang herself on a doorknob, which is possible. People hang themselves on doorknobs all the time because if you, if you position your body correctly and, and, uh, the doorknob, right, you can just like you can drown. You could technically drown in like a little bit of water, like less than a cup of water. You could absolutely drown. Like you, if the, if you get the mechanics right, you can hang yourself from a small height. Um, and she didn't really talk about it with her mother, but her mother figured it out as you do when you're, <sighs> listen, if your kids like just start acting different over the course of like a couple of months and shit, something's happened. And I guess Mama Diane has reali- realized that and started taking her to therapy, which she promptly thought was stupid. So she, um, you know, she didn't go back to therapy until after her and Cordell really broke up. She, uh, Cor- when Cordell was in her life is the next time she went to therapy. Uh, but she has, you know, and, and Portia did a couple of interviews about this book and like these parts where she's talking about, um, attempting suicide as a child. Uh, she, she had never told her mother. And so her mother read them when she first read, when she first got a copy of the book. And I wonder how that plays out. I'm like a person that doesn't like to leave things unsaid. Cause when you leave things unsaid, people get to decide what, what it is. They get to decide what the narrative is. But if I show up and I go, Hey, I want to talk to you about this. Like right now I'm doing team mom two on the Patreon and I'm at the part where Kale is dating Jordan and she's still living at Joe's parents' house. And she just puts on Facebook that she's in a relationship and it like blows up the fucking blows up everything. Like they're waiting for her at the fucking door when she got home. And like, I am absolutely a kale, like kale and I have so much in fucking common, but the difference between she and I is that I would have floated the idea to them before I actually, I'd be like, so what happens if I start dating someone else? Do I have to leave here? Like, I like to have everything like spread, like said. And so why am I talking about that? I do not remember why I'm talking about that. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not going to go back and figure it out. Sorry guys. Um, the next thing I like, we need to like talk about is Portia has a codependent relationship with Lauren, her sister. Lauren's about five years younger than her. Um, and in this, and, and she's, um, 
Their their sisters by their father. Her father left her mother and and got married to someone else, and had Lauren and Lauren's full biological brother. Portia has a biological brother, Jose. Which I was like, okay. So before I even get into that, guys, you know I watch. I sometimes watch a YouTuber named Jordan Page. She's apparently quite uh, popular. I don't know. I got on her because she has a large family. She has lots of organizational like systems and like shit like like uh, like what to keep in your minivan and shit like that. Like which is what I like. To, like that's my jam right there. Like she's the reason I keep a little portable vacuum cleaner, a handheld vacuum cleaner in my minivan. And like sometimes if I have to wait for something, I just kind of vacuum up. Yeah, I do that. Guys, my car is always clean. Okay, because if I have to wait somewhere, if I'm like in, in pickup line or whatever, I'll just be, I'll, if I'm in pickup line with one of the kids, I'll just pass that bitch to the back and be like, yo, vacuum him up around there. She's the reason. And she has like a lot of like good like um, meal planning stuff. So I like, I started, I caught her on YouTube because of shit like that. But I don't really watch her that much because she's Mormon. So our values are very different. She's a Trumper. Our values are super, super different. And like every now and then she'll just let something out in one of her, in one of her like, um, in one of her videos. And you'll be like, oh, like when the election was coming up, she was like, you know, this election is going to change the way, the way, um, our finances for our family, because, when certain people get in the White House, they're gonna they're gonna make laws that mean we can't make money. And blah, blah. I'm like, oh my god, Jordan, if you don't explain to me this homework chart and leave me the fuck alone. Anyway, so I don't really watch her that much. I pop, but every now and then, I don't subscribe. Every now and then, YouTube will um will throw me something of hers, and it she's doing a day in the life with eight kids, right? Because she's got eight now. And what she'll do is she'll just take her phone with her and film certain parts of her day, like when she had to go get her MRI, how she gets the kids up, what they do. I mean, listen, she has a lot of good ideas. She also has a lot of bad ideas. Like one of one of some of her older kids, after they take their showers at night or whatever, put on the clothes that they're going to wear to school the next day and get in the bed and go to sleep so they can sleep in. And I'm like, so you've been rolling around that fucking bed sweating and shit, drooling and shit, and now you just gonna get up and go to fucking school? No, no, no. But, you know, as I say with all resources, people always ask me, like, where do you find stuff? Where do you, like, learn so much about child rearing and blah, 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 blah. Guys, I read everything. I, I try everything. I take what I need. I leave the rest, okay? And I left the let your kids sleep in their school clothes so they can just pop out of bed and run to the bus. Get the fuck out of here with that. Um, I also think Jordan's a COVID denier. I mean, she's not, she didn't make a video calling herself a COVID denier, but I'm like, I bet, a, I bet a little money that she's a COVID denier. Anyway, so YouTube was like, have you seen this video of Jordan's? And it was like a day in a life. That's my jam. I love shit like that. I love a little slice of life. That's why I love reality TV. It's why I love documentaries. If they did a reality TV show that just filmed inside like a firehouse, like, for for like eight weeks, I'd watch that shit. I'd love to see what other people do. So yeah, she's just filming herself throughout the day. Like I feed the dogs here, I do this, I do that, blah, blah, blah. Then I go here, then me and Bubba meet there, like that. 
And then this kid walks across the screen, the screen. And then I remember one of the things that like I hate about Jordan is that she went on some sort of mission trip, I guess. I don't know if she's always been Mormon. I think her husband has, but she might have converted. So when we say mission trip, it might have been like with a traditionally Christian mission. Anyway, it has something to do with like church. She went on a trip and she met this beautiful little girl named Priya. So I'm assuming she's in South Asia. Um, uh, it's Priya is like an incredibly common Indian name. I don't know if it's also a common Pakistani name, but it's, you know, India and Pakistan used to be the same place a, long, a very, very long time ago. And then they separated and now they don't like each other. And so, but lots of cultural, I mean, that's, guys, don't, don't rely on me to tell you world history. Go look that shit up. Um, but, but lots of cultural things go, or they share lots of cultural things because many, 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 many moons ago, they used to be the same country. So it's quite possible Priya is a very common Pakistani name too. I don't know, but I know it's a very common Indian name, like a really fucking common Indian name. And, but you know, uh, Jordan enjoyed this little girl so much that she always wanted to name her daughter Priya. And then she did. So she has a very white little girl walking around. I'm, I think she's back in Salt Lake City or like a suburb of Salt Lake. I could be wrong. Of walking around Salt Lake City named Priya. And most people think they made it up. They're like, that's a beautiful name. Where did you get that? Did you, did you name her after your Prius? Like what? Like they do not fucking know that Priya is such a fucking common name and it burns my fucking biscuits. Okay. It burns them. And so (laughs) every time that little Priya girl, and it's like, like, I don't even know why, like, are you allowed to use a name outside of your culture? Of course you are. Of course you are. Name your little white son Jamal. I don't care. But like understand that you will be explaining this for the rest of your motherfucking life. Like Priya is going to be explaining this for the rest of her life. One one day she'll go to college and I don't know, she'll go to some place that's like a little bigger than where she is right now. And every time someone introduced her, she'll have to be, they'll have to be like, you're not Indian. And she'll be like, yeah, I know I'm not Indian because my mom once met an Indian little girl and took her name and now my name is Priya. I just feel like, it's not that you can't do it. I just feel like it's one of those things It's like, do you really want to do this? Like, I know you think it's cute, but do you think, do you, like, when you think about the course of her life, I guess I'm really talking to my mother here. Do you really want to name a child princess? Because then she's going to have to walk around for the rest of her life named princess. And it's going to deeply affect her psyche. Like she's going to spend a lot of time explaining her name, like verifying her name. and Like just, just name her Michelle like you wanted to. So she could be named, so her nickname could be Shelly Shell and let her live her life. I'm just saying. Anyway, um, Portia's older brother's name is Jose. <laughs> they are not Latinx. Uh, her father's name was Hosea. 
And I don't know if her brother's name is actually Hosea, but uh, they call him Jose. So Portia's got an older brother named Jose. So it goes Jose, Portia, and I believe it goes um, Lauren and then her younger brother. So like, but they've, they've always, like she saw her father pretty much every other weekend. I don't know. We'll get into Portia's daddy issues, but she did grow up with Lauren. She, uh, Lauren would come over her house and play with her even because her mother was very interested in, I mean, Portia's mother, Diane, was very interested in keeping the, all the kids together for stability reasons. So Lauren would go over to Portia's house to spend the night sometime, even though they have like a five-year age difference. But they're very close. And... Just like we watch on the show, Real Housewives of Atlanta, and also, I guess Portia's got a new show. I haven't watched it yet. I watch a lot of YouTubers that that recap the show, so I don't actually need to watch it. And I don't want to see that Aunt Jemima-looking Simon. I don't want to see him. So I don't want to have to look at him. I, I want the, the mess of him, but I don't want to have to look at him. So, like... I, I like you guys remember when Lauren got pregnant before Portia and Portia felt like she was never going to have a baby and blah, blah, blah. Like there's, they got some, they got some sister shit. Portia got a big case, got a case of the, has a bad case of the big sisters and that she thinks of Lauren as a certain, a certain way. And when Lauren doesn't want to be that way, then Portia's got a problem with it. Um, but even in this book, there are two chapters that, deal with Portia being sexually assaulted that she doesn't read. Lauren reads. And Lauren's a fine reader too. Lauren does fine. Although I will say this. In the in the chapter she read after Cordell, Lauren, there was a laugh in Lauren's voice, like she was smiling when she was talking about something that was like not smile worthy. It was like real tough. Um, it was basically, uh, Portia, it was right after Portia's, uh, second sexual assault that she talks about. Um, and Portia is waking up and finding that Cordell has filed for divorce, um, from Twitter. That's where Portia, and during this, Lauren is like, I don't know, it's obviously smiling when she's reading. I'm like, okay, well, somebody should have told her to tone that shit down, but Something to to keep in mind during this audiobook that Lauren steps in and reads for Portia sometimes. Okay. One thing Portia tells us right away is that Portia always wanted to have children and believes that her purpose in life is caring for children. This is one of those things that I'm not saying isn't true. But it's very like I'm like, what? Since when? And so Let's also remember, guys, that this is Portia's version of events. I'm going to point out some things as we go that I think are lies, okay? But in Portia's mind, Portia grew up in daycares. Her mother ran daycares. She says her mother ran the first 24-hour daycare that um, did pickups and drop-offs, which I'm going to tell you as somebody who uses childcare that a childcare that did pickups and drop-offs... Come on, that's a game changer. And 
she's, Portia grew up in that industry. And when she was 17, she started working there. And when she was 24, she opened her own child daycare. She had her own daycare for a long fucking time. And not, I mean, for a few years. She closed it up because Cordell wanted her to. Um, Portia has always wanted to be a mother. Portia believes that having a baby is her highest calling. And I was like, what? And then I go back. I remember, I, I kind of run back to like Portia's first year on The Housewives. And that her storyline was essentially she desperately wanted a baby. And that she'd had a lot of miscarriages. And... I was like, okay, I forgot. I fucking forgot. And it's not, listen, something can be true and hard to believe at the same time. This could absolutely be true, but because of the Porsche I know, the Porsche, it's hard to reconcile that with this idea of this person that's always wanted to have a baby, desperately wanted a baby all her life, believes caring for kids is her greatest, is her greatest passion. Like when she married Cordell, he had a son, like she was so excited to be his stepmother. And she did the primary care for that boy at all times. And I'm like, okay. And I don't know. It's just it's just hard to, to like reconcile with the Porsche I know. Not that I know a Porsche at all. Oh, I also want to point out that that daycare that she owned herself, not the one she worked with for her mom, she opened it with the inheritance that she got from her grandfather when he died. Her father died before her grandfather died. Portia's grandfather was a, a civil rights hero. He was uh, Martin Luther King's right hand man. He was uh, on when in the march on uh, Washington, the march across the fucking bridge, Selma, all that shit. Portia's uh, granddaddy was there. Portia, uh, Portia's daddy, our granddaddy, also like was believed in caring for the community. He opened the. Uh, Hosea, Hosea something Williams, um, feed the hungry and homeless. Like he, like she has a long history of service work in her background. And she believes that on her father's side that like the service work that he did for the community and civil rights and stuff was, is a part of her legacy. And her, as for her mother, her mother comes from a long line of teachers and preachers and her mother was also a preacher. And she opened daycares as a way to help underserved communities. Um, which we already know that that uh, poor women are more likely to have to work immediately after giving birth. They struggle with child care. Like not having child care means you can't work, which keeps you in poverty. And and that Portia's mom believes that by caring that by opening an affordable child care 24 hours and did all these things was her way of caring for the community. And Portia also believes that as well. So I want to also let you know that Portia's business, uh, suffered from the fact that Portia cannot count. Um, she sometimes cannot pay her rent. She was disorganized. She admits this. She could not pay her workers all the time. She'd be like, these lovely workers that work so hard for, I was like, they work so hard. Give them their fucking checks. Shit. (laughs) But Portia's business was disorganized, okay? And she, it was always a little raggedy, all right? So don't so don't let her fool you. She admits this. Over the years, she would have to get numerous help from various sources. 
to help keep this fucking daycare running. All right. So a uh, much of Portia's book is divided into the men that she was with. So I'm going to start with the first one. The first significant one is Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis plays sports ball or played sports ball for the Washington team. And Portia in the book is like, you know, they used to be called uh, the Washington Redskins, which was a racist name that no one liked for obvious reasons. I'm like, Portia, when it was called the Redskins, did you ever think about the fact that what it was called and why it was called that and why that would be offensive? Like, if I had met Portia when she was dating Clinton Portis and was flying up to D.C., the DMV area all the time, to be with him and I had asked her about what she thought about the name of the Washington team she I guarantee you should have been like what I don't know what <laughs> they got red skin what's wrong with that like the fact that that like the ghostwriter obviously put that part in like that there's no way that Portia ever thought a, a thing about that um so she met him in a video shoot so Portia briefly talks about her video girl career Cause she's in Atlanta, you know, there, there's plenty of music there. People were making videos all the time. And Portia's like, well, I wasn't a video whore. You know, I was very professional. I just had to look pretty and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Portia, we've seen the videos. Do not act like you were Michelle Obama on those fucking sets. Don't do it. But she does. And, um, She's met him, according to her, she met him on the, um, on the video shoot. He gave her his number through a PA. Um, she says she always sat by herself. She did not want to like, she didn't want to fraternize with the talent because it made it seem like you were there for something else. You know, Portia, Portia was not there for that. Okay, Portia. And she, she didn't know what, according to her, she didn't know what Clinton Portis did until she got to, she like he was already flying her up to DMV and she, there were like jerseys in his closet, which is, do I think that's true? Maybe. I didn't know who the fuck Clinton Portis was until I started, until I heard his name in his book, but also I wasn't trying to fuck Clinton Portis either. So I don't know. I feel like that can go either way. Um, I feel like by the time like he's calling, he gave her a number. She finally calls him and they're like going back and forth. I think she knows, I think she's, you know, she's done a little research. She knows who the fuck it is. So like I said, she was flying back and forth to DMV to be a football girlfriend. She, this is a portion of the book where Portia talks about how most, 90% of the team was black, but all the girlfriends and, and wives were either white or ethnically ambiguous. And she believes her baby hair has got her there. Okay, Portia. But here's the thing. She gets pregnant by Clinton Portis. And... She's going to her first like appointments to confirm the pregnancy saying I'm pregnant with Clinton Portis's baby. And I'm like, why would you? And she's like, I didn't say that cause he's famous. I said that cause I was so proud to be pregnant. And I'm like, I don't think so, Portia. Also, she says that Clinton was like, no, absolutely fucking Lutely not. I'm not doing this. You gotta get rid of that. And she's like, no, I want to have this baby. And she's like, fine. If you're going to have the baby, give it to me and my mom. But she doesn't elaborate on why he would say that. Like, Portia, why would he say that? What What was his reasoning for saying, go ahead and have the baby and then give it to me and get out of here? What was, like, were you guys not in a relationship anymore? Were you broken up? What the fuck happened? Why, like, she never elaborates on that. So, you know, 
she ends up having an abortion. She feels like it was the right thing. She had wanted a baby so badly, but she, but she felt like it was the right thing to do. She was in her early twenties, and so she has an abortion, and that's the end of the Clinton Porter's portion. The next guy we we uh, get is Southern John. She does not name his name. So he's a guy that owns a lot of uh, franchises in the city. He's he's an entrepreneur. Um, you know what? I need to. He, I'm well. He has a limp and several facial stars from an accident. I never talked about Portia's daddy issues. Let me back up. You know, a little while. Not too long ago, Kara was texting me and she was asking me, did I think Portia was a secret lesbian? Um, she didn't say it like that. <laughs> but, you know, is Portia a lesbian? And we went back and forth about it a little bit. And I was like, basically, like, Kara uh, was like, is it possible? Blah, blah, blah. And she definitely uh, sleeps with women and stuff. But my, the reason I don't think Portia's a lesbian that just doesn't want to say she's one is that Portia comes off more to me as someone who is bisexual in service of a man, right? So those are those people that are eating pussy that they don't want to eat because their boyfriend has like a sexual fantasy and so they will be bisexual for them. That's what Portia, that's what Portia gives me. I don't know if that's true, but that that's how I, that's what, that's what the vibes I get from her. And Kara was like, okay, well, I'm just trying to figure out why she's dating all these ugly men. And I scream laughed. And the reason I did was because I was like, all this going around to figure out why she date ugly men that are beneath her, I'll tell you why. She's got fucking low self-esteem. She used to be very fucking skinny, her eyes with big eyes, and no daddy, okay? And she has low self-esteem. She lets these fuckers, I don't know. Um, when we talk about someone having daddy issues, I don't like using that phrase because it implies that it's your fault. And I guess what the fault of having daddy issues is like not dealing with your issues. But I feel like everybody has fucking issues, some kind of issues, and most of us don't deal with them at all. So like when I say someone has daddy issues, I'm not like, and fuck them. I'm saying they have a fucked up, they have daddy shit. They got a fucked up relationship going on with her fucking dad and Portia absolutely had this um Portia's dad was a rolling stone motherfucker was fucking everybody he cheated on her mom that's what broke up the relationship he got remarried to another woman that was Lauren's mother and Portia like spent a lot of time over so Portia was like I spent so much time with my dad I went there every other weekend I'm like that's not a whole lot of time you, you saw him twice a month what the fuck that's not every other that's not a whole lot of time that's a, that's sometime. It's not a lot. And she says that, you know, her dad was a businessman as well. He had a lot of businesses, although even though he worked, he like did a lot of civil rights stuff like his grandfather, um, like his father. But, um, his main job was hoeing. He'd be out here in these streets and Portia even basically called him out. Not, not on purpose. She was a child. But he took her over one of his girlfriend's house when he was married to her stepmother and Portia said something about it. Now, and and he was very angry with her. Now this happened to me too. Like I've told you guys, my grandfather used to be an alcoholic. I'm, You know what? My grandfather's still an alcoholic. He just don't drink anymore because uh, he's trying to live. 
but he was supposed to go to the store. He allowed me to ride with him. He went into the store, told me to sit in the car and told me he was supposed to be going to like fucking H-E-B or something. And maybe not H-E-B. He was supposed to be going to a grocery store. I don't know. Maybe a ran. I don't know. He's going to some grocery store. And then he told me he had to stop to get dog medicine because he had a dog and I should have known right away he was fucking lying because that dog stayed outside at all times. It would be a hurricane. That dog be out in the fucking yard eating scraps. He did not take care of that fucking dog. And if he, and if that dog had needed medicine, he would have shot it. I guarantee you. So absolutely not. But anyway, I'm sitting in the back seat. He says going to get the dog medicine. I look over there and it says ABC liquor store. I don't know how I knew how to say liquor. I uh, read liquor. I was like seven fucking years old. And when we get back to the house, my mom says, where did you go? I said, we went to the grocery store and then we went to the ABC liquor store. And his wife at the time, my step grandmother was there too. And she was so fucking mad because he's not supposed to be drinking. My mom was mad, but she also thought it was funny, but she was also mad. But my grandfather was really fucking mad at me. Really fucking mad. He was like, you didn't tell me she could read when you sent her with me. I don't take no reading kids with me. And like, and he wasn't just talking to uh, my mother and my step-grandmother. He was also like, you don't repeat where I go. Like he was, he was mad at me and he was like aggressive with me. And I, I, he didn't hit me, but I was a very sensitive child. I'm still really sensitive. I don't know. What I'm doing. Um, I was a sensitive child and like yelling in my direction was the same as beating me up. And so he was yelling, like he liked to yell anyway. And he was angry and he made it seem like it was my fucking fault. And like, as an adult, I know it wasn't my fault, but I spent a, like a good portion of time after that thinking it was my fault. And why do I talk so much? And why did I read that? I don't, I need to stop reading signs. I used to love to read signs. <laughs> I used to, as <laughs> I used to love to like just ride down the street with my parents reading signs out. But like, why would I do that? And like, it, it is a, it's, it's something he probably would not remember. My mother would not remember. My step-grandmother's dead, so she definitely wouldn't remember. But it is something that I'll never fucking forget. Like being like really upset and him being really upset. Like me being so, so upset that like went outside and like went away to play for a while and would not come back in the house. Um... And so, like, I understand that position Portia was in. She's a child. And, like, I don't know. Kids kids say things. And if you want a kid to keep a secret, you already started off fucking wrong. Okay? So, you already lost when you asked the kid to keep a secret. So, the next time he went... He didn't stop going to his girlfriend's house. But the next time he went to his girlfriend's house with his kids. Because he takes... Who takes their kids to their mistress's house? This is bullshit. And he made Portia sit in the car. Like... All the, she, he locked her in the car and took the other kids in the house and would have one kid come out on the porch and look out and see if Portia was okay and then come back in the house. And that's significant to Portia. You'll see this theme throughout this entire book. Portia also, um, her father, she says her father didn't mean harm is his version of timeout, but he would put them in separate rooms and then leave them there for like an entire day. And I understand the part about separating kids. I separate kids sometimes. I have five kids, plenty of fucking kids. And on days when they're not getting along or there's drama or like I have a fucking headache or something's going down 
and I need them, I, I need like less noise, I'll feed them in shifts. I'll feed the two little ones, then Bunny, or I'll feed the two little ones, and as one of them goes, I bring Bunny out. And then as the next person that leaves, I, uh, I bring Cheeks out, and then Turtle. Or I'll say, Bunny can watch TV in the living room, two little ones in your room, two older ones in your room, because they like being together. Or I'll take, I'll take Bear Bear one place and send Monkey and Bunny together. Like, I'll separate them, and I'll do that because it's automatically quieter when they're in smaller groups. And so, and like, if they're fighting, I absolutely send people to their rooms. And like, one of the things I've learned throughout the years is like, I used to want to like regulate every fucking fight and I don't want to do that anymore. I am no longer the lower courts, I'm the Supreme Court. You bring it up to me once it gets big. And so like, if they're arguing in my presence, instead of saying who's right and who's wrong, I will say, while you two are arguing, get out of here. Go to your rooms, go, go argue back there. And they have to resolve before they come back to me. And it keeps me from having to, it does two things. One, it keeps me from having to lose my fucking mind arbitrating fights over little shit. And two, it teaches them to resolve their own stuff. They know if something's dangerous, uh, scary, an emergency, or someone is physically hurt, that these are things that do you need to bring to me. But anything that's not those things, like, I don't know, somebody's foot's on you or whatever, you got to work it out. So, like, I get that. Like, I understand where dad's coming from, but what Portia describes is being isolated for long periods of time. Like, Portia has to go in the laundry room and close the door for the rest of the day. And this is not useful. Isolation is is not really useful. I mean, it's better than hitting people, but it's not useful. Often, they don't know why they're in there. They got a lot of time to sit over there and blame either either internalize mistakes or come up with reasons why they hate you. And like Portia's daddy would do often, he would often forget he had told her to go in the laundry room and stay in that bitch and just forget. And the last thing that contributed to Portia having daddy issues is Portia's daddy died when she was 15 years old. She, um, excuse me, he died right, as she, she calls this out herself, she died right as when he, um, I mean, he died right when she was, she was not allowed to date because her father didn't want her to. So as she was getting interested in boys and really like coming in, like leaving girlhood and going into womanhood, um, transitioning to young womanhood, he was gone. And so he left her with a legacy of, first of all, he had a big legacy. Everyone talked big about him and me, you know, there, she's talking about how Lauren, they had to sit and shake hands at his funeral as everyone left and how Jesse Jackson was, um, kissing Lauren on her forehead. And, and like, she talks about how they had to watch him die. And she was grateful for it. She said that they allowed him to be there, but she was there when they pulled the plug on him. He had, um, I want to say he had a cancer. But, uh, and it was pretty sudden. She had a lot of guilt about it. Again, she was 15. There was after school shit. Like 15 is a great age to never see your parents. And I'm not saying that in like a bad way. It's just that like, there's after school shit. There's boys that you like. There's friends. There's sleepovers and shit. And also you don't live with your dad. And so 
She didn't see him as much. And by that point, she's not going over there every other weekend because, you know, you're 15, you got things to do. And so she has a lot of guilt about that. Keep in mind also, she talks about this as well. Coming, like, going to his house every other weekend and watching him where he lived with Lauren. And she got she got her the dad all the time. He didn't go to so I mean, when he wasn't with his mistresses. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he lived in the house and there's a there's a difference between that and, and going to his house every other weekend. So all these things contribute to Portia's daddy issues that she has. And we will see this theme throughout the entire episode. And the episode throughout the entire story about like Portia's daddy looming large in the background. But um the reason I I was talking about this with Southern John is that because her father was an entrepreneur and like had businesses and did his thing and and that is Portia's model for what a man should be to you. He should make a lot of money, he should work for himself, and he should cheat on you. She says it herself in the book. So, um, and also, like, we will notice that Portia, like, when we talk about how this Southern John guy had a limp and several facial scars from a car accident, like, yeah, because Portia is very beautiful now. I mean, she's, she's rich beautiful. And what I mean by that is that, like, she's, she's got the skin treatments, she's got the good hair, she's got that sort of stuff. She's also, she's obviously had like a lot of like surgery. She talks about, when we get to the R. Kelly bit, she talks about how she was skinny. She was so skinny. She had no boobs and no butt at 24 or 25. And I'm like, okay, Portia, so just tell us you had a, a fucking BBL and boob job because nobody goes to puberty at 26. They just don't. So just tell us that. And she's not, but, but anyway, I digress. Um, you will always see Portia dating down in terms of looks because she has low self-esteem. So anyway, Southern John, like, she had been dating like a lot of slick city boys and he was like a country boy. He had a big plot of land in South Carolina, somewhere in the Carolinas. I don't, I can't remember if she said North or South Carolina. His entire family had houses on there. He had planned a big, big house out there and kind of have this village. I actually know someone um, who lives in Georgia and her family, they have a family plot of land that so that many, like her aunts and her cousins and, and, you know, family all built houses on. She built her house from the, from the bottom up and it's like a beautiful fucking house. And she it's she's right it's like living in a village of your family members where you can all like you like you live walkable distance to your mom and to your aunt or whatever and like to Portia that sounded great she's like big on family and stuff and he had a strong relationship with his grandmother this is all refreshing and so they're dating and southern john that she calls him says that he wants to marry Portia and they're talking about that so she took his credit card and went to the mall and bought a promise ring. She calculated three months of his salary and bought a diamond promise ring. And he is shocked. He's like, what? She's like, you said you wanted to marry me. 
Why didn't you, why wouldn't I buy this for myself? And she's like, you took my credit card. She's like, I didn't take your credit card. You gave me your credit card, but then I did go buy it. And I'll take it back. If you. But to this day, when, when Portia is describing the book, Portia does not think she did anything wrong, which I find telling. Regardless of what I'm about to say about Southern John, what happens next. Um, I still think that's weird. You guys are like, oh yeah, one day we're going to get married. We're going to have lots of kids. And then you go to the mall with his credit card and buy a very large diamond ring for yourself and give it to yourself. That's weird. So one day Southern John says he wants to take her to a horse ranch and it's kind of like a B and B sort of thing. They stay in like a little cabin on this big horse ranch that's owned by this couple and they have a great time. They have these meals in the big house and they ride horses and like Portia thinks he's going to propose there. And one night they go to a local restaurant for dinner. He's acting weird and he wasn't talking. At one point she told him he was going the wrong way and he, he called her stupid and they started to argue and she ended up apologizing to him because she says like Portia fully admits that like in her twenties, she didn't, she just like did anything men wanted. She would soothe them. She didn't want to be in an argument. She would apologize right away. I mean, that doesn't track with you going to buy this fucking ring, but she's saying that like, she was very submissive to men. If they were mad at her, she would just apologize. She just wanted, like, she was happy to be in the room. Um, but he's still mad. He mentions the ring she bought for no reason. He's screaming. He starts punching the steering wheel. She's getting scared. When they get back to the cabin, she says she wants to go home the next day. And he tells her she's not going home. She tries to sleep on the couch. He forces her into the bed that they were supposed to share. And he rapes her. I don't want to describe it anymore. I mean, it, that's the long and short of it. Um, afterwards, he she tells him that she got a text and that she has to work the next day. And he's like, oh, so now you're going to try to break up with me or whatever? And she's like, no, no, don't, don't be so crazy. I'm going to, I just have to go to work. Just take me home and, and, you know, I'll talk to you later. So he drops her off. He's in this white Hummer or whatever. And as soon as she drops her off, she texts him that it's over and she's done with him and he what he did was wrong, blah, blah, blah. He immediately drives back and he's like screaming and banging on her door and stuff. And she's scared and he's demanding his stuff back. And she calls a friend who's basically like, just give him his stuff back. But Portia doesn't want to because she feels like she feels like like she's been used and abused by this guy. And eventually she realizes that it's easier to give him his stuff back and get him away from her house. And she puts the box out and he picks it up and they never speak again. Um, but she never felt comfortable in that apartment again. And, uh, it is a formative experience. This, this rape that happened from her boyfriend at the time. So the next person we talk about is R. Kelly. Uh, so the thing is, listen, Portia wanted to be famous guys. Portia absolutely fucking wanted to be famous. Um, and when this guy's like, I guess his name is Lenny. He's like a music guy that she meets in a club in Atlanta. Is like, you know, I could get you a hookup and get you an album. I, can, I know R. Kelly. I can do this and that and that. Um, she sings for him because her mother always said she could sing. And she had never even thought about making music, but she was like, this is my opportunity. 
And she, he, I guess he introduces to R. Kelly. Um, what happens is she flies out of Atlanta to Chicago. First of all, like when this news started coming out where Portia was talking about her time with R. Kelly, I was like, what? What the fuck? This is, this was so unexpected guys. Also, you should know like, okay, so what's, what's R. Kelly during this time? R. Kelly has obviously already been acquitted from the sex tape shit in the nineties. He, this is R. Kelly after trapped in the closet, step in the name of love that R. Kelly. Okay. Just to give you like a time stamp of where they are. Um, the rumors about what R. Kelly was doing were strong at this point. Like, I think, I don't think anybody didn't know that R. Kelly, I think it's fair to say sexual predator. Um, but I don't know, I guess, you know, like I said, there's a lot of, uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to be black, so I don't have to like fight about Trump with most of my like relatives or anything, but I often have to fight about Chris Brown and Bill Cosby and R. Kelly. So maybe, you know, Porsche also lovable dumb dumb, probably didn't even know any of this. She was like, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on with R. Kelly. Space Jam? Like that's 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 probably you know what? I answered my own fucking question. So Portia goes, she flies out to Chicago. She she's supposed to go to the studio with R. Kelly, but what happens is they take her to his house, which everyone knows that's where his fucking studio is. Um so she goes in, Lenny's there, the guy that she met that's the guy that her fly out. And he's, you know, greeting her and telling her she's going to like R. Kelly and everything. And then he leaves the room. She never sees that guy again. Uh, somebody else comes in and says, you can come in here. And R. Kelly is in the studio and he plays one song. And they basically talk. They don't do any singing. But he just talks to her like he's a friend. Like she's a friend. Like very familiar right away, but not hitting on her. Like just like, like she's a homie. And the other thing, okay, so he was like talking about a reporter that got in buck with him and like they were just laughing and eventually he leaves. He leaves, he says, I gotta go do something. So eventually somebody else shows up and says, Portia, you can come with me, I'll show you where to put your stuff. And that guy leads her through the house to what appears to be the master bedroom of the house. It's R. Kelly's room. Um, and at that point, she's like, well, what, what impression have I given to that Lenny guy or R. Kelly or anybody that like, I'm here to sleep with him. Also, Portia has not told anyone where she's gone. Like as close as she is to her mother, she never mentioned to her mother. She's going to the airport to fly out to see R. Kelly. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not victim blaming here at all. Right. I, the, the, the people's bad behavior rest on themselves. And what R. Kelly did and did, did to Portia and many other people is on him. But I do have to ask myself, ask Portia, why did you not tell anybody you were flying out to see R. Kelly? Why? Well, I know why Portia has low self-esteem and men and like really bad issues with like letting men do whatever they want to, to her. And 
the same way lots of people got drawn into to R. Kelly's orbit. It's like, he's a famous guy. He can make me... He, R. Kelly is excellent at making music. I don't have a problem saying that. He R. Kelly is a soundtrack to much of my life. Uh, he produced so much of the music that I love. I mean, start let's let's start with Aaliyah. Like, and we can stop there. Like he he's he's excellent at making music. However, and so I know not however. What I'm gonna say is that like I understand how people get drawn into places and then like you don't wanna seem weird, so you just go along with it, and next thing you know, things are happening. I get that. But Portia if a Portia was here, I'd ask her, I'd say, Portia, before you ever got into that position where uh, where you kind of don't know where you're staying, you, don't, you, you just met a really famous person and everything, and then someone leads you to his bedroom, why did you not tell anybody you were flying out? Explain that to me. And I think that if she were answering truthfully, it would be, well, I kind of knew that, like, whatever was going on with Shady, or I knew that, like, my mom would be like, don't do that. Or, you know, I, or my friends would, you know what I'm saying? Like they would be like, you kind of knew that you, that you were walking into something terrible or at least shady. So she's there for hours, just watching TV hours. She's just watching TV and falls asleep. He shows back up and is no longer talking to her like a friend. Now he's talking to her like they are in a relationship. He starts kissing her and telling her they needs a girl that he can love, who can understand what he can give in a relationship, what he can't, and can she be that person for him? Now Portia has seen a big portrait of his wife in the hallway, uh, Drea, who used to be on Hollywood Exes, along with Cherie, uh, I forget her last name is now, but Will, Will, Will Smith's ex, who is now going to be on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. There you go. Uh, so she asked, she's like, what about your wife? And he's like, I'm totally single. It's just me and my kids and I'm lonely all the time. And he tells her that he likes her spirit and he wants her to take her clothes off. And this is where Portia just decides to sleep with him. It's something she's done before in the past. She tells herself she's already put herself in the position. You have to, you have to. I mean, you came here, didn't you? If you say no, where are you going to go? You'll be stranded. And like, I understand this part. Like lots of people get put in these positions where they're with someone powerful. They're, they're like, well, if I say no, they're going to do this. And I don't want to, and I don't want to disappoint anybody. I'm already here. Like, okay, I'll do it. I get it. I get that part. He asked how old she was and she started to say 25, but he stopped her and says, let's just say you're very young. This is the part where she explains that she doesn't have She's really skinny. She has no butt, no boobs or anything like that. So they fuck. He leaves immediately. He doesn't come back for an entire next day. And she explains the door wasn't locked, but she didn't feel comfortable walking around the house. She was hungry. And she calls down. He eventually shows back up. Again, this is this theme with her dad, how he would leave her in rooms and be like, you can't come out of here. Stay in there. Not locked, but do not leave. She ends up flying back to Atlanta that night and she she saw R. Kelly three times. The second time she got invited back by an email she knows he did not write. Like, it's just an email inviting her back. And she gets there and security, again, why did you go? Because this is a famous person. And, you know, I want to be famous. I want to be proximity to power. 
She gets there and security leads her to her room where she's left for an entire day. And she ends up leaving the room and seeing another woman in the hallway. And they talk and they both don't know how many people are there. And it's both it's obvious that they're both there for the same reasons. And th- what happens is a security guard shows up and goes to the woman. You can go in your room right there. Go in your room right there. And when the woman is gone, he tells Portia not to talk to her. And for Portia to go back to her room. So R. Kelly shows up again, apologizes for leaving alone, and invites her to a family cookout. And when she gets there, I mean, it's on his property. His aunt knows her name and everything. They welcome her and say she's pretty, and R. Kelly has found a good one in her. And he tells everybody at the party as they're eating that they're gonna that, that he's gonna marry her. And my first thought is like, yeah, they do he does this with everybody. This is like part of how sick he is, is that like he shows up with a young girl at every like he's throwing a party on his grounds and you know his aunts and uh, and cousins and friends everybody shows up because r kelly is is throwing you know we go over there and he just shows up with all these women and it's just like like they probably do this every time so i just want to like point out like how it's not just him it's people helping him do this people people joining in on the process you know, and next week there's going to be another barbecue and there's going to be another girl there. He's like, I'm going to marry this girl. And they're going to be like, yay, we love her. She's a great one. Even though, whatever. And this isn't like, this isn't criminal. Like a lot of the shit, like none of the shit she describes it, or almost none of it is criminal. But it's evident of how sleazy this man is. Um, Portia says that she did see some potato salad at the cookout and it was very yellow. And she was like, is this how they mean? Potato salad in Chicago with all this mustard and shit in it. And she decided not to eat anything because she can't eat everybody's potato salad. And that's the one good fucking decision Portia made the entire time she was there. The rest of it, no. So, you know, she goes, he goes back to LA after she, he would call every now and then randomly. He would talk to her like they were in a relationship, like, hey baby, like they were in a relationship, even though she only spoke to him sporadically. And then he invited her out again. He says that he was sorry he left her alone so much. He loves her. They're supposed to be starting a family. I'm like, what? (laughs) But this is the way he talked to her. So this time she's in a fully mirrored room, including the ceiling. Gross. I just, I just, it's gross. I I know what he's doing in there. She was left for two or three days straight. She says she doesn't know. This time she brought her laptop with her to keep her company. And at the first day she called down to security to say she's leaving to the security desk. And she's like, I'm leaving. Because he's, he's not around, blah, blah, blah. And the person that answers the phone says, oh, well, R. Kelly wants you to go out with him to a party. Can you be ready in an hour? And she's like, oh, sure. Changing my mind. Sure. Well, the party was downstairs, and it was just all women that were at the house. It was full of women. She said there were lots of women that, were, that looked way too young for him. Someone would be like, I've been here a week. I've been here a month. Someone said, I'm still in school. And Portia said she was scared to ask whether it was high school. So they're at this party, quote unquote, the DJ's play, only playing R. Kelly music and R. Kelly shows up and all the women are yelling, oh, R. Kelly, there he is. Ooh. And he goes from woman to woman and each talk to him. They're kind of auditioning for him, you know, kind of being like, yeah, hey, daddy, you know, but when he gets to Portia, he's, she's the only one he kisses on the lips. So she's like, oh, maybe I'm his girlfriend. Again, Stupid. But then he leaves with two cute girls and the party's over. Everyone goes back to their rooms. 
Portia talks about how like even in this instance she's blaming herself for getting this position like how could you be so stupid how could you let this happen how why how this is your fault you know and when she wakes up in the middle of the night it's because a woman is screaming a man is screaming she says it sounds like R. Kelly but she is not sure and he's screaming what the fuck you got me fucked up and then it sounded like this woman is being beaten like she can hear the slaps the thumps the woman screaming in time to the thumps Portia finally gets some sense and calls security and tells them she's leaving now. She calls her girlfriend, though to this point she only told one girlfriend she was there this time. And they help her find flights and security calls her back and says her car is downstairs, she can go to the airport. She leaves. R. Kelly calls her a few more times. She lets it go to voicemail a lot, but finally she picks up and asks them to please stop calling her. Later she gets interviewed by the FBI for the R. Kelly case, this current case. I'm wondering, how did they know Portia? How did they know about Portia and R. Kelly? Because I didn't know to this book. Is this something she talked about on the Ricky Smiley show? Because you know she's got that radio show. Or no, she quit that job. Um, Maybe she didn't. I don't know. Maybe she talked about it when she was on there. I don't know. But that's the end of the R. Kelly. So let's all take a deep breath. Sage the room. Get ourselves together. I hate talking about that man. I fucking hate it. Let's talk about another fuckboy, Cordell. So Portia, by the time Cor- she meets Cordell, she's kind of like through with the party scene. You know, she's a young Atlanta girl. She's out in these streets doing her thing. I don't fault her for it. Go out there. Do your thing. And, but she, she had stopped going to the club because one time God spoke to her in the club and said, this ain't what you want, girl. <laughs> I know you think I'm joking. I'm not. Portia said God spoke to her in the club. Um, and so she wasn't really going out. She got more into to church. She's back. At, this is when you see those um, videos of Portia preaching, she's in her late twenties. She got back into the church. And so she's going to church all the time. She got a church community. I mean, she's still dressing like Portia, but, <laughs> but she's not really going out as much. And she told God she wanted a husband. She wanted children. She wanted to settle down. That's what she wanted. And so when she goes, it's her girlfriend's birthday and it's raining and she didn't want to go out. She didn't want to go to this fucking club, but she goes anyway and she meets Cordell and she believes God sent them to her. She says their eyes met across the crowded, the crowded, uh, club and, uh, it was like no one else was there. And now I want you to stop right now. Pause this. Google what Cordell Stewart looks like in his eyes. Did you do it? Portia had to be fucking drunk. Fucking drunk. <sighs> so, you know, they meet. He's 10 years older than her. He's a former football player. Cordell is a known football player. Like, people know who he is. Um, he At the time, he was doing commentary jobs. Uh, she felt like he really got her and listened to her. And he told her that he was single and never wanted children, even though he had a kid at the time. So they started seeing each other. Um, Cordell always wanted to be with her and was controlling about where she is. She tells a story about how she told Cordell she was going out to uh, eat with her cousin and he was blowing up her phone 
She finally answers it, and she's like, I told you I was out with so-and-so, blah, blah, He says, I know, but you out too late. You need to go home. And, like, this is red flag stuff. But to Portia, who has low self-esteem, men issues, daddy issues, this is a person that desperately wants to be with her. And also, she believes God sent them to her. Um... He would help her, though. He, like... So, you know, her business was always, like, she always didn't have a fucking rent. It was disorganized. She didn't know how to... She couldn't pay people on time. He helped her make a business plan. And she's, like, in the past, men would give her money to, like, help with her business or whatever she needed. But Cornell's the first one to sit down and was like, what do you want? Let's figure this out. He went to church with her. He hung out with her family and really sucked up to them. He treated her like a princess and her mother like a queen, she says. And she notices, but something she notices about Cordell, they only go dark places, off times, places where people ain't nowhere. And she realizes that she he's probably still seeing his baby mama because he's got a baby mama this time, an ex, who has a son. And like Portia knew about because he talked about her all the time, about the relationship all the time. So he's like, no, 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 I'm 100% single. Come over to my place. Now, they lived, Portia at this point lives in this, like, penthouse that's, like, very expensive. She had also, like, again, Portia's been through all these different men. One guy got her, convinced her that she should buy, she should buy these, she should get a loan for $2 million and buy these fucking apartment penthouses. She only buys one, but she realizes later he was using her for a good credit and that he was like, he pays himself the closing costs. Like, like he had kind of like, uh, he kind of like uh, tricked her into doing this so he could get make money off of it. Anyway, she lives in this fucking penthouse. And Cordell lives across the street in, in a penthouse. So they live right by each other. And they didn't realize that. Um, they've been living there for some quite some time. So he's like, no, no, come over to my place. I'm completely fucking single. So she goes over to his place. First thing she gets to there, there's fucking two dozen long stem roses and a note. And it's from his baby mama. And he forgot to put them up. And they break up that night, but they end up getting back together after Cardell does some begging. And, you know, they obviously, they end up getting married. And now up until this point, Cordell's been spending a lot of money on Portia. He taken to Vegas, spending $80,000 on a weekend for her. Her dress is made in Florida, so he flew her and her mama back and forth for fittings. He is buying her generous gifts. But a couple red flags are coming up. One, the fact that you can't go anywhere without him following you and chasing you and telling you got to go home. Two, the, the engagement ring he gave you, he proudly told you was repurposed from the old engagement ring he gave his ex-baby, his baby mama. Not his ex-baby mama, his ex, who was also his baby mama. He told you that, like, like you taking her ring and making you a ring for me, I'm a, I'm going to applaud you on your thriftiness. She actually ends up having to orchestrate him finding a, a yellow diamond in a window of a jewelry store so and buying for her. She also said that, like, he was probably still fucking his baby mama. Like, four months into the marriage, she found a text on his phone that to the baby mama that said, uh, um, show me that pussy or whatever. Like just, 
actually quite comical. <laughs> like, but she just said, men cheat. That's the, Portia believes that you can't be in a relationship with a man who won't cheat on you. Um, which is, I think is a sad way to live your life to, to believe that because it's not just cheating. It's not saying that you don't believe humans can be monogamous. You're saying that you don't believe you can be in a relationship with, in her words, a man, a man that will not lie to you and say, I'm only, I'm only with you, but is actually with another. And it explains a lot. It explains Dennis to me a lot. So he had her sell her daycare. I mean, it was, it was almost always underwater anyway. And she said, and he promised they would open another one later. And, you know, somebody ends up running off of some money. So that didn't happen. But she, she no longer bring, can bring money in that. Cause that's what she's been doing for years is this daycare. Um, and another red flag is that he sprung a prenup on her at the very last minute, which sprung <laughs> you knew you were gonna have to sign a prenup I mean I would just assume you were gonna sign a prenup and she ends up calling off the wedding and after a couple of days of arguing he tears up the prenup which turns out not to be such a great thing because um prenups work both ways if a prenup does not allow you to it doesn't limit what you can get but it also doesn't tell you what the least you can get either So the thing is, all of all these red flags and stuff with Cordell, Portia believed she was walking into God's promise. That God has promised her, this is what she asked for God, and God sent it to her. She believed the relationship between her and Cordell was a covenant between her and God. Like many Christians believe that when you marry someone, it's between, it, you have now formed a relationship between you, the husband, and God, right? And that, and that, your each of yours relationship with God will help secure your relationship with each other. Sorry about that. Um, I personally think that's too many people in a marriage, but that's just me. Sometimes I think two people is too many people in a marriage. But again, that's just my preferences. So when it came to Cordell, she was, she wanted to be a submissive wife, a Christian biblical wife. She wanted to be a mother to his son. She wanted to have many more children with him. She had no plans for what happens after Cordell because there was not supposed to be any after Cordell. She believed she was walking into a marriage for life. Um, it's after the wedding and things get real. Portia pretty soon knows she made a wrong decision. Um, she actually has a panic attack as she's gathering things for the honeymoon. Um... Cordell does not want her around family and friends at all. They're not allowed. They, she, he's banned all her family from the house. He doesn't allow anybody to come to the house without his permission. To, he, he had to approve everything that showed up in the house. That's everything from sheets to food to wallpaper to toilet paper. He has to approve what is bought and brought in the house. He's gone all the time to work as a commentator. He's only home three days a week. Um, And... He gives her about $1,500 a month to cover all expenses. So like gas, uh, anything your kid needs, food, anything is $1,500 a month. I know plenty of people that can live fine on $1,500 a month if you don't have to pay their more, you don't have to pay the mortgage and the bills at the house. 
But that is not the style of life they lived in. Like if his his son needed school supplies, had to come out to $1,500. If they were going to Chick-fil-A, which you shouldn't go to, but okay, they're in Atlanta, people go to Chick-fil-A. Um, that came out to $1,500. If you need a spick and span for the bathroom, that comes out to $1,500. It, it adds up very quickly. He complains all the time about her cooking and cleaning and critiques everything she does. He also builds a beautiful house that he says is their dream house because he's trying to get her to sell this apartment, this penthouse apartment. I don't know if he ever gets her to do it, but yeah, I think he does get it because she's homeless after a little while, after they break up. So he gets her to sell this penthouse apartment. He builds this beautiful dream house for the two of them and doesn't put her on the deed. So it's technically his house, which he also doesn't let anybody come over. He also has to approve everything that comes in the house, including the toilet paper. And she finds, she doesn't realize this is getting divorced, but every time, their their finances are separate, right? She has her separate account that he puts $1,500 into, but every time he gives her a check for anything, he writes loan on the, on the, this is what I mean about the dumb, dumb part. I don't know if this is the lovable part, but this is a dumb, dumb part. When somebody gives me a check, I read it. I look at it, it's written out to me, and it goes from him. What bank is this on? Blah, 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 blah. And what is in the memo line? Loan? Why, why are you giving me a check that says loan on it, Cordell? The, you know what I'm saying? Ask some fucking questions. Look at some shit. You just keep... Anyway. So, 30 days into their marriage, Cordell sues for full custody of his son. Does not ask her. Does not tell her. Just does it. Which, and she says their honeymoon period, like, was gone almost immediately after they got married. Which is always, like, let made her question, did he marry me so that he would be able to say, I'm married, I have, I have a stay-at-home wife here while I'm on the road, and it would make it look easier for him to get custody. I don't know. Um... Like, on the wedding day, like, she, Portia didn't call this, didn't consider this a red flag, but I did. On the wedding day, as they're taking pictures with his son and everything, and the he turns to his son and says, call her mom now. I'm like, he already has a mom. What the fuck are you talking about? Um, so, about a year into the pregnant, Portia is trying, in the marriage, Portia's trying to get pregnant, because remember, Portia says her purpose in life is to have children and to be a mother. And she's not having any luck because she realizes Cordell has calculated when she is ovulating and is pulling out. And so, and she's also, so on top of that, he's not, he's pulling out. And then she has fibroids. She realized she has fibroids. She ends up going through some miscarriages. One of them, she was told she was still pregnant, but she'd have, but like the way the fiber, the fibroid was not reducing and it was kind of cornering the baby. So she'd have a miscarriage within two weeks. So they basically sent her home and was like, let us know when you have the miscarriage, which I think is, I don't know, ghoulish. I don't know. I I, I find that, I, I'm sure that this is the way they do it, but I don't, I don't know. I find that ridiculous. She's supposed to go about her business and wait for her to have a miscarriage. She's supposed to brush her teeth and go to Chipotle and 
I don't know, clean the bathroom and just wait to have a miscarriage? <sighs> About a week into it, Cordell says, I'm going to a golf tournament and left her there. And she had the miscarriage alone. So I'm going to get to the show. But by the time she gets on the show, Cordell is acting very funny. He's only home three days a week. Like I said, then he stops coming home those three days a week. Then he won't answer his phone. She, he will only answer his phone for Portia if she texted us about her, uh, uh, about his son. Then he'll answer the phone. She says she never called him cheating on her hand, but he believed she believes he was, and I believe so too. That I mean, it sounds like it was. She's not allowed to have visitors at the house at all. She's supposed she's she's not supposed to leave the house, and she's supposed to call him in case she wants to change brands of toilet paper, but he ain't gonna answer the phone. Portia also, I'm going to say alleged here because we actually have someone's name here, but all this is alleged and, you know, based on what Portia says, Portia says that Cordell raped her while they were married. Um, when she was like trying to sleep in the same bed as he was just like Southern John did, did to her, he wouldn't let her like leave the room. He forced himself on her. And it's after that that she finally moves out of the marital like bedroom. And what happens is Cordell starts having, because Cordell's not there all the time, Cordell starts having uh, his brother come and stay for long periods of time. Kind of to punish her, to be like, to kind of keep watch on her and stuff like that. So one night they have a fight. She tries to leave and he chases her around the house, locking doors and preventing her from leaving. She's trying to get out. She was screaming. She's locked in a room. She cannot get out. He's locked her in this room like her father. And what she does is she, there are prescription pills in there. And she's like, I'm going to leave one way or the other. She takes a few, not the whole bottle. But by the time he opens the door, she's out of it. And he's like, what are you doing? You're crazy. You're so stupid. And she told him to call 911. And he, she ends up at the hospital. And the way she frames it is that she did this so that she he would be forced to get her out of the house. So finally one night, like the, the, the marriage is bad. By the time she's, by the time she's on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, the marriage, from day one, A1, the marriage is bad. But it escalates throughout the time. So finally one day, she's, um, I guess it's the, this, uh, towards the end of season one. She's like really upset. She's lonely. She's got all this stuff going on. Um, the truth is, Knowing what Portia's like, Portia might not even realize that what Cordell did to her was rape until later. You know what I'm saying? There are some people that believe that you can't rape a spouse, which is obviously not true. I, I think there are still there. I am. My understanding is there are still several states that have a law saying that you, that it's impossible to rape a spouse, but, um, it's possible Portia, did not even realize she'd been raped. Like, that's what gone through her. That's what happened to her with Cordell until much later. But um, they've been in this house together. They're arguing all the time. He's not there. When he's there, they're arguing. And so she decides she's going out. She's like, he never lets me go anywhere. No one's allowed to come here. I'm lonely all the time. Um, So she decides to go out that night. And it's one of the rare nights he's there. But she's really doing like, I'll show him. So she leaves. 
doesn't come home until like two o'clock in the morning. She gets home. He's upset with her. Next morning, she's wo- she's woken up by him screaming that she's sleeping all day because she was out all night. She didn't even make breakfast. And, you know, she didn't do her duties. And they argue. She ends up leaving the house and saying he wants a divorce. She goes to her mother's house. I think somehow she gets back at the house. Um, but she tells them, he tells them she doesn't want to get a divorce. She's got, she's going to divorce them unless they, unless they go to weekly, uh, couples counseling. She puts her name on the deed of this house. He puts her name on the deed of the house and he gets health insurance for her and the son because they don't have health insurance, which the thing is really wealthy people might not have health insurance, right? They just go to the doctor and pay for it. But Cordell isn't really wealthy. Cordell is, he certainly makes a lot more money than I do. He's certainly rich. I'll give him rich. But on $1,500 a month that you also have to eat on, put gas on, anything you need on, I, if one of us gets sick, like, go, like going to the doctor and just paying whatever the doctor's fee is, is... I don't know. I feel like the both of y'all get sick. You might not have no, you might go through the whole fucking, uh, the whole $1,500 that month between medicine and the doctor's visit and blah, blah, blah. And according to Portia, they've been married for like going on two years. Like she just couldn't get medical care a lot of times because they didn't have health insurance. So according to Portia, she wakes up one morning early and she, you know, she's like, you know, checking her phone and stuff and there's nothing that couldn't wait. And so she tweets something like today's the first day of her life. She's feeling optimistic, but she ends up going back to sleep and she's woken up the second time by like Twitter. Her Twitter is going, her phone is going off because she's a trending topic on Twitter. And Lauren's also been calling her over and over again. And she finds out from Lauren and Twitter that. Cordell has filed for divorce. Now, she he, she had been asking to get divorced, right? So don't get me wrong. She knew she was getting divorced. She'd been saying she wanted a divorce. They've seven separate rooms. Their marriage was horrible. But he is telling her he's not going to file for divorce. She'll have to do it. She's like, well, what money? He's like, I don't care. I guess we're not getting divorced. So she's very, like, she's like, why did he even text me to say, didn't want to wake you up. Just want to let you know I filed for divorce. Like, we're, we see each other all the time. She goes downstairs. Cordell's there. And she asks me, she's like, did you, file about the, did you file for divorce? And he's like, well, I thought about it. And let's talk about it later. And left. And about, I mean, she has to, her lawyer has to look it up to confirm that, yes, he did. Because the way he said I thought about it was kind of almost like, well, I thought about filing for divorce, but I haven't. Like, he wasn't giving her a clear answer. Her lawyer has to, like, look up. Whether he filed, she filed the paperwork. And in about two weeks, uh, Cordell calls, uh, two weeks from there, Cordell calls a moving company and, and moves her shit out the house. Like dumps it in some boxes. I think we see this on the show. Now I do want to, this is a point where I want to talk about Cordell, the rumors of Cordell being gay. Cordell has had rumors surrounding his sexuality since I think he was playing for the Steelers and I don't know who it was, but I was listening to some pot, listening to some podcast that said, that the person was talking about Cordell, Cordell wrote an essay about how that affected his football career. And it was really good, but I don't remember who it was. And I don't remember what the essay was, but, um, 
Portia reiterates that Cardell believed Cordell believed that those rumors about his sexuality stole his his career from him. They made it hard for him to play. They took like something like his football career is something that was his thing, the thing he was meant to do, and those rumors took his career from him. And she says by the time she met him, he was very he was a hermit. He didn't really go out. She's the one that brought community to him. He went to church because of her. He had family around because of her. Like, he really was, like, he didn't want to be around anybody. Portia believes the fact that they met was fate because he didn't want to be around anyone. He didn't go to clubs. He just wanted to golf and be alone. And that's what he did. And so Portia says that she never believed the rumors about Cordell, to which I call bullshit. Because on the season... Season two, her set, not season two, but her second season of Real Housewives of Atlanta. She is in the talking heads talking about maybe they got divorced because he was gay. She doesn't say those words. When they sent, he sends her shit back to her. He dumped her wedding dress into a, a, a box and it's kind of ripped up and shit. Um, and I don't know who was with her. Maybe it was Lauren, maybe it was her, but somebody implied that he had been wearing it. Like, Portia fully got on TV and stoked those rumors. So, if you're saying you do not believe those rumors, first of all, I I always felt it was petty and disgusting anyway. Like, Real Housewives of Atlanta has a real problem with, like, being like, Oh, your husband's gay or whatever. When they say someone is gay, they are doing it to hurt the person. They are doing it to imply, well, your husband's gay and that means this X, Y, and Z about you, right? It uses a tactic. And so when Portia got on that screen and was like engaging in those rumors, she was, I, listen, Cordell's an asshole. I get it. I, I didn't know at the time that all these things had happened. I didn't know about the background and stuff, but I know he's an asshole. I saw him on season on the first season. I, if you did not believe it, then you are a terrible person, Portia, for getting on the screen and saying, I mean, listen, Portia get on the screen and say all kinds of shit, but you know what I'm saying here. So, I mean, that's pretty much the end of her and Portia, um, her and, her and Cordell. I want to talk about the show a little bit now. Portia claims that she didn't want to be on the show, but she did always want to be an actress in entertainment. I'm like, okay, Portia, you wanted to be famous. That's why you were going, taking them shirts to fucking R. Kelly's house. It's how you got on this show. Nobody accidentally get on this show. Maybe Heather Dubrow. No, I don't even count Heather Dubrow because, because, she was worried about going to the show, but she, there's a process. And I'm going to talk about it. Not all diamonds and rosé. There's a fucking process. So like, if she didn't want to be on the show, she wouldn't be on the show. You have to, there's casting. You gotta, you gotta talk to, to the casting director. You got to go on tape. Like you're doing a confessional. Um, then you got to go meet people. Like, dude, if you didn't want to be on the show, you wouldn't be on the fucking show. It's too many steps. Portia wanted to be on the show, but she says that her friend was friends with producers and it called and said that they'd, she'd already given her name. I'm like, okay, sure. 
I will say this. At least she doesn't pretend like she never watched the show. She says she was a fan from the first season. Like she watched this show religiously. Um, Cordell didn't really want her to do it. Surprise, surprise. They were having issues, but they were also used to pretending like it wasn't a thing. They'd show up places and be like, we're a happy couple. And she convinced him that he would look great on camera. It would be good for his like post NFL career. He eventually says, okay. And also the charity work she's doing with her grandfather's organization. She's like, promote that. He eventually says, okay, but doesn't allow them to film in the house. By the time before, by the time season one is, is winding down, Portia is sneaking production into the house to do uh, confessionals. Like Cordell will go golfing and she'd be like, come on, come now. He's gone. Like real, real wild shit. A couple other interesting bits she said throughout this. Portia's first scene she filmed ever was the scene she filmed with Kenya where they meet and Portia's like asking all these questions. Kenya has filmed lots up until then. And the thing is, the two of them were being brought on and they thought it was going to be between Portia and Kenya. One was going to be a friend and one was going to be a housewife. And so like they're already in competition. But the first thing she planned before she ever had a contract was that charity event where she calls Kenya Miss uh, America and Kenya was a Miss USA. She's not under contract. She's filming with Kenya and then they have, then she put 60 grand out for this charity thing so it'll look right on TV and she's so worried about everything. But it's the second time she filmed for the show. So the way Portia, I don't, listen, you're gonna take this with a grain of salt, guys. Portia says that she made a mistake and said Miss America instead of Miss USA. Corrected herself. She like made up this award and everything to give to Kenya. Corrected herself. And then when she sat down, apologized to Kenya and was like, that was a mistake, blah, 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 blah. But what she didn't understand, but she says Kenya was just acting really weird and was like, what, what Portia says is Kenya was doing housewife stuff. What she means is that like, she had decided to take this nugget of a fight and run with it, which I haven't rewatched in a while. And I think I, and after listening to this audiobook, I do feel like I want to go back and like watch Kenya and Portia's first season because when Kenya and Portia got on this show, they really took the show to another level. They really did. It was an amazing season. Um, but she says that. Like she wasn't used to doing that. So they're arguing and production says, what do you, well, what would you do? And that tracks too, because what, again, in the Not All Diamonds and Rosé, the producers are always saying, like, we don't tell people what to do. We don't tell people what to do. We ask them what they would do. Who would you call? What would you do? How, who would you talk to about this? I mean, that's not telling them exactly what to do, but you are escalating situations, encouraging situations by going over there and being like, oh, she just called you a bitch. What would you do? How would you handle this? Would you run after her? Like, come on, man. Don't, don't, don't piss me and tell me it's raining. So Portia Lake is outside. The argument continues outside and she has tried to apologize. She cannot believe all this is happening because she called her Miss USA instead of, I mean, Miss America instead of Miss USA. But then she says something else happens off camera that, that you don't see is that Portia, Kenya's leaving and 
production goes up to Portia and goes, okay, she's leaving. And she wants up to go play. And Portia was so incensed by this. She was like, what the fuck? And let's say this happened. I don't, I'm not saying it didn't. But I can also see Kenya being like, production being like, oh, are you leaving? Kenya's like, yeah. And tell that bitch to get me a to-go plate. But like in a, you know, in a sassy manner. Not like she's sitting there waiting for you to put a to-go plate together. Um, I know Kenya was broke when she moved to Atlanta, but she wasn't fucking homeless. Like, give me a break. She had food to eat. Um, but this escalated something. She, she just really felt like, she really felt like she had told, uh, production had asked her, what is the thing you want to do? She's like, well, I'm throwing a, like a little charity thing. And they're like, yeah, we want to film that. So this is the first time this is her, her family's legacy. She's like, she feels shitty. And she feels like Kenya has, has like come in there and did some reality TV shit instead of being genuine. Now, to that, I would say, Portia, this is reality TV shit. And also, like, I don't, that's what happened. It's reality TV shit. Um, she, another thing that was interesting, Portia didn't have an Instagram before the show, before she got on the show. Like, a couple of weeks in the filming, she got an Instagram. And that's when she started getting backlash. People make comments. They And she felt like they were talking directly to her because that, because you are. When you at someone and call them a dumb bitch, you are talking directly to them. And it was really hard. Like when the first episode started airing, like she thought she was fired, by the way. Cause she got into, cause it just didn't work out well. But then they invited her to Anguilla and she was like, oh, okay. Um, when the first episode started airing, like she was so embarrassed. She was, people were getting such backlash and things like that. She called Nene and Cynthia crying, screaming into the phone. She wants to quit. And they like really guided her through the process. Later on, like in later season when, Portia keeps calling Nene big sis and saying that she's like a big sister to her. And there, I always was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Cause I never saw it on screen, but the way Portia talks about Nene off screen is that like they would call every night when every Sunday, when the show was airing, she would call Nene and some and Cynthia sometimes would be on three way. And Nene would like walk her through what, what it is to be a reality TV person. And so she got a lot of advice from Nene. Nene also told her, she said, you know, you and Cordell are going to break up. <laughs> Which is, sounds like Nene, just to say that shit to somebody. But she was explaining to her, like, listen, his pussy game going to be up. Women going to be throwing themselves at him. Everywhere you go, people going to be calling him Portia's husband. And, you know, that's really what happened. Uh, part of what escalated their problems is that um, Cordell was used to people stopping him and she would, t- and Portia, he would pose with them and Portia would take the picture for them and wait, even if she was tired, because that's what it meant to be like a Cordell Stewart's wife. Like, this is what it is. People yell, Cordell! And like, you have to like, be nice. These are your fans. These are the reason you're a commentator is because people want to see you and it's people like this, the people that'll stop you at the mall. But when it came to the other way around where Portia, like she's, now she got a lot of hate online, but she's like in in real life, the Atlanta girls showed her so much love. They would hold her hand and talk to her and like kiki with her and take pictures and tell her to keep doing what she's doing. And like she even says she was on a plane and Samuel Jackson yelled, was like, Portia, Portia. And she goes over there and 
she he's talking to her like y'all doing your thing keep doing it. i watched the show but like she's getting a lot of love and cordell didn't really like that and then he told her he she told her this is how your relationship is gonna go so the other thing she talks about is you know all the dumb things portia says on tv but she like how the underground railroad was a real railroad and and 265 days in a year and like like Portia's known for saying dumb shit on TV. Like she attributes a lot of that to being nervous and like she wants to say things. She, like especially when she's talking about the charity and stuff, she wanted to say she wanted to get it right and stuff like and she would just like she didn't know she said 265 days a year until she saw it on TV. Like no one told her in that moment or no one was like, "Do you know what you just said?" She they she she didn't find out till she watched it on fucking TV. She had to rewind it. And she is really embarrassed about it. But she also says that like those like gaffes also made people her relatable to people. And it's the reason why a lot of people liked her because they thought she was funny, even if they thought she was dumb. And people say dumb stuff all the time. And so as embarrassed as she is about it, I mean, it is what it is. So after Cardell files for divorce, Portia thought she was getting fired from the housewives because at that point they didn't really have women on who weren't housewives. I mean, in other franchises, but not in Atlanta. People who weren't married, excuse me. And he, Cordell also blamed her for his edit, which like that first season she was on, Cordell came off as so arrogant, so controlling Portia was playing the submissive Christian wife role and like it came off ugly on screen and like the truth is he said those things however they edited he said those things he did those things so I mean it is what it is so after the divorce Portia moves back in with her mama's house she moves into her mama's her mom's room you guys remember that um her she says her mother let her do that because Portia was so down and out that her mother wanted to like lift her spirits and production didn't want production wanted to film her moving into like a little room or something like that. But her mom was like, I'm not gonna let you be humiliated on TV. But what happens is shortly after her mom loses her house. And so Portia, her mama, her grandmother and her grandmother's husband are, are don't have anywhere to go. And Portia uses the last bit of her housewives check to rent a hotel Two rooms, her and her mama share a room and the grandparents share another room. And they stay there for a few weeks. When the second season rolls around, she is filming in restaurants and, and places because she doesn't have a place to film. And she didn't tell them that. She just kept saying, oh, we're doing, we're, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that. Well, we're, we're we got contractor over, so you can't film today. So, Portia does talk about dragging Kenya. By the way, she never says Kenya's name in this entire book. She never says Kenya's name. She says Candy's name. She says Nini's name. She says Cynthia's name. She never says Kenya's name in this book. She refers to her as a, a castmate. She refers to her as the other girl filming for Housewives. Listen, Portia pretty much remembers it the way I do, okay? Uh, Kenya was the first one to bring props to a fucking reunion. She's got a bullhorn. She's yelling in people's faces. She's calling. She's telling Portia to shut up unless she has a dick in her mouth because she doesn't know what she's doing. She's got a scepter. Um, 
she brought that scepter because Nini thought she was the queen bee. So she she was like trying to like prove that she was the queen. She's in people's faces. Um, at first, she Candy is sitting between them, and can Kenya almost hits Candy, and Candy, you know y'all know how Candy is, right? You Candy is fine until she ain't, and you see a glimpse that if things had gone a certain way, Candy would have dragged Kenya. Of course, though, everyone would have forgiven Candy because everybody loves Candy, right? It really did, just like if Kenya had dragged Portia, because Kenya had become this villain, Kenya probably wouldn't be on the show. Like, it really depends on who it is and what who they're doing it to. We change, like, we're all hypocrites, guys. We all are hypocrites. I'll, I'll raise my hand first. My name is Princess Jones Curse, and I'm a motherfucking hypocrite. But... You know, what happens is that, like, she sees red and she drags Kenya and she's in, she's screaming in your face. She's in your personal space. She's throwing things. She's got this fucking prop that she's, like, she's hitting you with. She's about to hit you with. Like, it's tough. And she ends up dragging her. She says she blacked out. She ends up getting an assault charge and she has a cute, uh, picture uh, a cute booking photo she did that she was beating that fuck she looked good in that picture um she looked fresh like look it looked like one of those shoots from america's top model where they're like we're gonna put you in minimal makeup and you have to look like you dewy skin like that's what she looked she looked good but like i mean i don't have any other like I've, i've talked about this before i'm on Borgia's side on that like like you cannot get in people's personal space and scream in their face and then and, and like wave objects at them and like you can't do that. You just can't. And you and I mean you can, but you gotta do what comes back at you. And and not everybody was raised the same way as you were and, and Kenya, you was raised in Detroit, so I don't even understand I don't even understand why you thought you was gonna do that. I really don't. Um yeah, it's the shortest chapter in the book. And half of it's about her getting beat up as a kid. She 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 has no remorse for it. She don't fucking care. She lost her peach the next season, had to take a pay cut. It's fine. <laughs> um She talks about the issue the 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 issue where she uh lied on Candy and said that she was attempting to rape her. I mean Listen, I know Portia thought she was saying something else. Excuse me. I don't think Portia thought she was saying something else. The way Portia said it, she didn't say the word rape. But what she said was rape. If somebody is going to drug you and take you to a sex journey, that is a rape. So, and I I remember that season. I was like, you keep repeating this. You don't know that you're saying she's going to rape you? Is that what you're trying to say? She talks about that briefly. About the loss of the friendship with Candy and the loss of the friendship with Phaedra. But um no, she doesn't go very much into it. Um I'll from reading the Not All Diamonds and Rose, what people don't uh, realize, I guess, is that I thought Portia was demoted the next season. For they said Andy says that Portia was not demoted for the fight at the reunion. Or, and Portia was not demoted for uh, saying that stuff about Candy. 
She was demoted because she would not let them into her life. And she didn't have a storyline. That's why she was demoted. And the pay cut comes with being demoted. I don't I don't know which is true, but whatever. So I've been talking too much. Let me let me wrap this up. So, so some odds in the book. She talks about Dennis. Cause this book is mostly her growing up and mostly Cordell, mostly Arca- it's mostly that. She, uh you can tell she wrote this book was like finished like last year sometime. Not twenty twenty one, but like twenty twenty. Maybe even 2019 sometime. She talks about um, Dennis. She met Dennis. They had chemistry. She wasn't really dating. She actually had just filmed the uh, reunion. And she'd been fighting all day with these bitches. And her friend took her out to the club and introduced her to Dennis. And Dennis owned the club. Um, apparently he's owned clubs and hair, and hair brands and all kinds of shit. And... To keep her from leaving, he got a boot put on her car so that he could talk to her more and like be this and save her and everything. Let me tell you, he told her that later. I, the moment he told me some shit like that, I would get up and walk the fuck out. Don't play with my fucking shit. Do not put a boot on my car. Cause she goes out, she says a boot on her car. She's like, I'm not park raising. I don't have parking tickets. I paid my fucking shit. What the? And he comes out and is like, oh, I'll call it. I'll do this. I'll do that. Don't worry about it. And he did that to keep her there longer. But she says that she and Dennis had a lot of chemistry. And, I mean, he's also ugly, fine. Had a lot of chemistry. And she, like, he just really, like, came on strong and they had a lot to talk about and, like, kind of went on a blind date because he had got his friend to put, a mutual friend to put um, his number in Portia's phone. She didn't call him for a few months. And by the time she goes on a date with him, she don't remember what he looked like because she was kind of drunk and it was dark and she was, it was after a long day. So she doesn't remember, but she was like, she goes out and they just have a lot in common and you know, they decide to have PJ very quickly and decide is relative. Okay. So then she starts talking about PJ Pilar and about how much she wanted that baby and how much like after Cordell, her involvement with men was limited, right? She was doing a lot of fucking, but she was not like trying to like settle down with anybody. And she, what she wanted mostly was control. And she talks a lot about how that played into her trying to have a baby contract with people trying. She would, she was dating people off screen on and off. And then dating someone fake on screen. And the person she was dating off screen wanted to break, broke up with her. Cause they were like, cause the person didn't want to film. And she was trying to like figure out how to show her life on her, how not to, like she was learning the reality TV game. She was going hard on the businesses and stuff because she just, she had been an entrepreneur for so long or she'd, she'd grown up in an entrepreneur, like family, like people had their own businesses. And then she'd had her own business since she was 24, even though it wasn't great. And she just, and after, like, she'd given up a lot to kind of, like, go into this biblical marriage with Cordell, according to her. And, you know, like, she really wanted to get back to that. So she, that's why the hair extensions, the, like, just she just had her shit. And she was just, you know, thotting and bopping, which I don't blame her for. Like... It's, it, that's what I do. Shit. So when she met 
didn't she wasn't really looking like she she'd been through some high pro like she'd been trying to navigate dating on camera um and like figuring out her life and she said that like she was just open to whatever was happening and all she wanted was for them to have chemistry and she had chemistry with Dennis so she has the baby she has to have a c-section she's never even considered a c-section nobody in her family's had a c-section she doesn't know anybody who's had a c-section but she's got fibroids so she's got to have one um, and you know, she has PLR. She makes sure that they're, they're filming for her show for her spinoff and she makes sure she's got long lasting makeup on and she gets to pick the baby's birthday, which is, which is nice. Um, cause when you have a C-section, you get to pick when you're going to have your, when you're going to have it. And she talks about that. Um, PJ, she says PJ is her, her reason for living is, and having a baby has been her mission from the start. I don't know. I sure if you say so, Portia. I like it's it's one of those things where it's like I would have never guessed that looking at you or watching you, but I guess if I go back hard enough I can be like, oh, okay, that and this. Um, she ends with talking about the activism she's been doing in the last couple of years. And I know a lot of people think Portia did those things for clout or for the show or whatever. I actually don't. I think Portia's Portia's been marching since she was a since she was five, six years old with her family. Like she's been protesting since then. Um she talks about how how they be protesting, people be calling her the N-word and throwing rocks at her and shit as a child. Like I don't I don't, I'm not saying that having it filmed for the show was not good. It was not like, oh, we'll film for the show. But like, I don't think she just filmed it. I just don't. It's, it's, it seems like, I don't know, she's been doing it. And so when she's caught bringing like light to these issues, the thing is like, I also don't care if it is. I know they had an argument over like, you know, um, a lot a lot of what they argue about on these um, housewife shows doesn't have anything to do with the friendship. Doesn't have anything to do with what's happening on the show. It has to do with what's happening outside the show. And part of it, and like, they were, like, Portia, and I guess a couple of other people, but mainly Portia, was, were upset with Candy because I guess Candy had a conversation with the network, but Candy has a great relationship with the network. And also, like, I am a person that lays things out, right? So if I'm going to have a conversation with the network, I'll, I'll probably tell, I'll send you guys a group, like, listen, I have, like, they asked me to talk about this, this, and this. And, and, and Candy, and, and just so you know, I, that's how I do things. But that doesn't mean that's how you have to do things. And what Candy, like, she was on a little show where they talked about, which I, they did this little show about uh, civic, like, basically police brutality with, with black people on Bravo and Candy was a part of it. It was like a little 30 minute thing. And it, they, I don't know why they aired it after Real Housewives of Atlanta. Those people, the people who watch Real Housewives of Atlanta don't need to see that. You need to air it after fucking Dallas. But fine. But like Candy had like kind of presented some things that they, that they could do better when it comes to like as a comp, as a network, when it comes to dealing with black women. And I thought her suggestions were great. And I thought, like, I don't, I don't, I saw no problem in it. But there was some issue about 
whether or not Portia wanted to be the only one being Portia Luther King on, <laughs> I don't know that, that name. This is what I'm talking about. Like the thing is like, I don't agree. Like I don't have a girl, like when it comes to housewives and that I'm like, Oh, if this person's gone, then I'm gone too. Like, I don't, I'm fine. They, they didn't, they didn't kill him. They didn't send him out back and shoot him. They're, they're just not on the show right now. And they might be coming back. They bring people back all the time. But like, as much as I enjoy Portia when she was on the show, I, it's difficult for me to be mad when she did things that I was like, oh, that's stupid. Because then she'd be like, can I be in the commercial? And I'd be like, oh, there she go again. It's funny. And Portia Luther King is funny to me. It's funny. So, I mean, if you make me laugh, I'll forgive you of many things. That's my husband. Makes me laugh all the time. That's why we're still together. Our anniversary is actually Monday. We've been married 14 years on December 27th. And normally I do a little, like, something, something on Instagram or whatever. But I'm not doing that shit anymore. I really love that dude. Don't tell him. Don't. Nobody tell him. Nobody tell him. Nobody tell him. He'll start acting funny. Once once you tell somebody you love him, they start acting funny. Don't tell nobody you love him. Keep it to yourself. Okay? Tell your podcast. Don't tell nobody else. Anyway, Portia is one of those people that like, it's very easy to forgive a lot of stuff for because she is someone who makes me laugh. Here's the thing. When it comes to the Portia Luther King stuff, I actually don't care if she's motivated by the show. I don't care. I don't think she is. It doesn't, it doesn't, like someone who has been doing protests since they were a child is... I don't know. It just, it, it just, I don't know. It, it, it seems like it's something they, and everyone's protesting. It seems like it's something you would do. So like, but even if she was, it doesn't take away that good things happen because of that. You know what I mean? It brought it. I mean, she got arrested. She, uh, protesting outside the Kentucky DA that, uh, mishandled Breonna Taylor's uh case she got tear gassed she I mean I don't know I just feel like who the fuck goes to get tear gassed for shit like this um especially someone as lazy as Portia you know I feel like I feel like her heart was in the right place and at least her actions brought brought like um you know brought light to some things um the argument about who can show their protest and who can do what and who can talk to the network. I don't give a fuck about that. This is like shit they do all the fucking time. I don't even know who was right. It just seemed like a lot of to do about nothing. It seemed like everybody, it seemed like a lot of people were mad and it just seemed like whoever, it just seemed like didn't nobody, it seemed like a thing that what the fuck would you argue about? Which is once again, why I could never be on the fucking show. Because I'd be like, what are we arguing about that for? See, I always say that I'm a candy and that's why I don't want to see candy on TV, but that's wrong. Because at least candy shows up to the, to the, uh, to the gatherings and does the work she needs to do. At least she asks questions and she further storyline. They would have been like, if they would have said, I think Portia slept with Bolo at the thing. I would have been like, okay, are we having waffles or what are we eating? Is it, is it time to eat yet? <laughs> I absolutely, I would have been like, oh, fine, whatever. I don't care. Who cares? Anyway, guys, I've been talking for two and a half hours. It is time to go. 
I have told you every interesting thing that happened in the book. And if I forgot something, I don't care. I enjoyed it. The book is only about five hours to listen to. Um, it's short. No big deal. And I would recommend you do. Portia does a great job of reading it. I'm, excuse me. I won't say great. She does a fine job of reading it. There are lots of things that she says and I'm always like, uh, you want to elaborate on that? You're just going to tell me that. Because that doesn't even sound true, fucking Portia. Um... And it was real top heavy, so it had like a lot going on at the beginning, and towards the end, it felt a little bit rushed. Um, but it's fine. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I hope you guys are ready for twenty twenty two, whatever it may bring us. And um, I'll talk to you guys soon. Doodles.